Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Zodiac Speaking. Brought to you by Abject Entertainment. Be sure to check out some of the other great true crime podcasts from this network including The Murder in My Family, Missing Persons, DNA ID, Beyond Bizarre True Crime, Scene of the Crime, and Campus Killings. All of these podcasts are available for you to binge on right now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe where you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. This is Zodiac Speaking. Welcome to this special episode of Zodiac Speaking, Zodiac Podcast. Uh, with me is my co-host Richard Grinnell and Ned DeHaan, special guest from Black Box Radio Online on YouTube. Thank you both for joining me. I've been uh, excited to have this conversation with you guys. Hi, Mike. How are you? And hi, Ned. Yes, hello, Mike. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Yes. Hello, Richard. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's it's been um, big news, obviously, lately, and I, I figured we'd get the three of us together because, you know, I know between the three of us, we've we've covered this case a lot. We've written about it. We've dissected it. We've done, you know, Ned, I know you've done a lot of YouTube stuff on it. So, you know, the three of us getting together, I think we can explore a lot of angles and theories and possibilities. And, you know, we also asked people on zodiackiller.com to chime in and you know bring up some theories questions things they want to talk about on as well so you know during this episode we'll we'll sort of um cover some of those things and, and give our thoughts on those but i guess you know we'll start with ned you're our guest what are your thoughts first uh, about this discovery that that don Elias's remains have been found well, firstly, thanks again for inviting me to do this, Mike. And um, if anyone out there hasn't heard of me before, my name is Ned DeHaan. I'm the host of Black Box Online Radio, as Mike said, on YouTube, exclusively on YouTube now, but we'll see about that in the future. And my first um, thing to share is just that when I started doing a regular segment about Donna Lass in 2021 <clears throat> on YouTube, I found that there was not exactly the same amount of press and the same amount of coverage on her case compared to some of the other unconfirmed victims. And I found that it was a big challenge to go through the information and actually try and find out what 
happened to Donna on the day prior to her disappearance, on around the time of her disappearance, all types of misinformation are on the internet. And the news is that Donna Lass's remains were found in 1986. 37 years later, they were identified via DNA, and they have skeletal fragments and a skull that was found. Originally, the jawbone was found by an individual who was hiking through the area in Placer County, California. And I think that this is an amazing discovery. And we know what happened to Donna. We know where she ended up. And she didn't run away and start a new life like some people theorized. But people have so many more questions. Firstly, how did she die? Secondly, was she murdered by the Zodiac Killer? Is there a real genuine Zodiac Killer connection to Lake Tahoe? And those are some very challenging questions because I think that Morph and Richard might have experienced some similar things. When looking at the disappearance of Donna Lass, there isn't a lot of physical evidence to go off of, whereas in some of the other crimes where the killer attacked somebody and left the body there, there are so many things you could analyze. We're talking about boot prints, or in the case of Sherry Jo Bates, there was a watch band that was torn off, and with Donna Lass, none of that stuff was present. She was just known as the woman who simply vanished and it wasn't until 2023 that her remains were positively identified but no matter what i'm thankful that donna has been found i hope her family can receive some closure and just one more step to actually finding her killer and finding out what happened to donna yeah all, all good points and um a lot of things to consider what are your thoughts rich well, I suppose uh, the interest in the Donna Lass case is varied. Uh, some people believe she was a Zodiac victim and others don't. So this is probably why this case hasn't been covered quite as much as other aspects of the Zodiac case. But having said that, she's probably received a lot more than some of the victims who have gone missing in that area because of the Zodiac case. And I suspect that nobody ever thought that this case was going to find some sort of resolution uh, last December. Uh, we suspected we'd never hear anything about this case, probably ever. So this is uh, quite astounding news, really. Oh, absolutely. I, I, you know, when I heard it, I was, you know, I sort of took the week off for the holiday. So I wasn't even checking my phone and I got a text from somebody saying, hey, you got to see this. They found Donna Lass's remains and I jump on there and I see this news release and I, I couldn't believe it. it. You know, I thought at this point they'd never find a shred of her. And the fact that they've found the skull, which is literally like finding a needle in a haystack when you consider all that wilderness out there to find it is amazing. But then it only leads to more questions because, all right, now we know that they've had her skull for a long time. Why wasn't it identified sooner? Um, and it only leads to more questions that have never been answered popping to the surface again for me so for me that the this is only a, a small part of the mystery it's reigniting a lot of questions that i have and uh continue to go unanswered so um i am curious and i know you've put a lot of thought into this rich as far as that clear tap and lodge which is not terribly far away from from this um what were your thoughts on that and, and what kind of uh, theory did you have on that for listeners that are not familiar with that well that depends on whether you've read any of my last few articles because i've found a lot more information recently but it of course it's in hindsight of the discovery 
but it's got me wondering so much more now. I've I've never believed the Zodiac Killer was responsible for Donna Lass. Could never could never have ruled him out, but I was highly doubtful that he was responsible. But I always believed pretty much 100% that he was responsible for the Pines card. But the recent discoveries I've made or interpretations of the Pines card has led me, has put me in a sort of state of flux now where I believe the author of the Pines card is is probably her murderer. But that, that would mean it's the Zodiac Killer from my interpretation. And I don't really want to believe that at the moment. So I'm in a state of... Uh, uncertainty let's put it that way and just uh, for listeners that haven't read your article or heard your theory before about that lodge can you just tell people a little bit of a backstory about that lodge and why you thought that might play a role in in donna's case somehow well i'll do a, a little brief summary of something recently but again you must remember this is in hindsight so i'm not claiming this is an answer but I, but i looked at the pines card again and um what I noticed was that uh, he wrote um, around in the snow upside down. And I was one, and we've all assumed that and the punch hole were maybe where she was buried. So I interpreted that, that we may have to turn the card round. And when we do that, we have got the Claire Tap, well, we've got the Sierra Club paste up on the card. And to the west of that is now the punch hole. And we know that her body was found west of the Sierra Club, Claire Tappin Lodge. So I did a little bit more digging and I know that the US postcard is 5.8 inches. And I know he gave us a map scale when he sent us the Philip 66 map about Mount Diablo. And that was 6.4 miles to the inch. So what I did was I measured the distance between the Sierra Club on the postcard and the center of the punch hole. And it measured, let me remember, how much did it measure? It measured two, let me just, I uh, can't remember the exact dimensions. Let me, uh, it measured 2.39 inches between the Sierra Club and that punch hole which worked out with that map scale I've just given you to 15.3 miles. So I went onto Google Maps and I looked at the distance between Claire Tappan Lodge Sierra Club and where her body was found near Camp Spalding and it measured exactly 15.3 miles. And that got me thinking, was this card specifically designed to show the location of her burial site? And what you've got to remember is why did he choose Incline Village to paste onto that card in the first place? It may have been a template of directions because remember he said, you know where Incline Village is on this, on this slightly on the right side at the top of the lake. And he said, past Lake Tahoe areas. And then he gave us Claire Tappan Lodge. So if those were directions, we are traveling due west. And of all the places in Nevada and California, he's pointing in a, in a direction towards Camp Spalding and Yuba Gap. So that got me thinking, did the killer actually design this card? It's interesting because that, you know, the chances of her remains being found where they were and lining up so perfectly, it, it seems like the odds would just be against that randomly happening. 
Yeah, I'm not saying it's the answer. I'm saying it's just an idea I came up with in hindsight. And that's always open to scepticism. But it, it's got me thinking now and I'm still digging a little deeper into it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, and for a case that a lot of people have sort of said, well, maybe it's just taking credit for it. It, it definitely causes you to rethink, could she actually be a Zodiac victim? And then if so, how did he arrive at picking her as a victim? How did she come across his path? And then, you know, you can go down all kinds of rabbit holes because, of course, um, she had a cousin or second cousin living in Vallejo and he was married to a girl named Donna. So, you know, just start looking at these weird things that pop up. Um, well, and she had gone to Vallejo, too. So did she know the Zodiac if she's a Zodiac victim from her time in Vallejo or through her her family in Vallejo? And why why would he pick Sierra Club to post onto that card if it has no meaning? And we know Claire Tappan Lodge is only 15 miles from Yuba Gap and Camp Spaulding. And that even that's as a standalone argument is pretty close, considering where the killer could have disposed of a body anywhere east, west, north, or south, anywhere in Nevada or California. So this is pretty close. And like I said, he, he did direct us from Incline Village past the last lake tahoe area so it's very curious and it's got me thinking deep and hard about this now and maybe to reassess my opinion on whether the zodiac killer was responsible for her murder what do you think nat has this changed the needle for you at all as far as what you think uh, or have thought about donna's case absolutely it has changed things now Listeners of Black Box Online Radio will know that I state very clearly that I don't think any of the unconfirmed crimes were the Zodiac Killer, not the murderer of Sherry Jill Bates, not the Domingo Edwards murders, although the Domingo Edwards murders has the highest chance of being Zodiac-related, in my opinion. I put Donna Lass very low on the likelihood of having anything to do with the Zodiac Killer, with the exception of the card, of course. I mean, you've got a card that has geographic connections to the area. Oh, other than that, other than just communications. But I've been reading the articles on Richard Grinnell's website, ZodiacCyphers.com, and everything that Richard has laid out does suggest that there could be some genuine connection. In the past, I didn't think this was the Zodiac killer because the Zodiac just didn't seem like he's showing any signs of actually going through with an abduction. The Kathleen Johns incident is another attempted abduction by some predator I also don't think that that was the Zodiac Killer. I have so many doubts about that story. And I just think that there's a very different type of criminal behavior that would be the type of person to sneak up on teenagers, fire some gunshots and run away, or even stabbing them with a knife, versus someone who's actually going to abduct a woman, murder her, and transport her body to a different location. I mean, this is very, very different type a very different type of behavior. But I should point out that I was fairly optimistic in the past that we might get some answers, not all the answers. And in 2021, I started that regular segment about the disappearance of Donna Lass. Every Thursday, I would do an episode. And I found all of these different theorists that had this um, set of predictions, if you will. Ray Grant had a very detailed theory about what happened to Donna Lass. Ann Penn, author of Serial Slaughter, Zodiac Killer, talked about how she believed Donna Lass was buried at a place called Rubicon Point near Lake Tahoe. And, of course, the case breakers had their own theory. Dale Julin had a very precise theory. But the problem is, though, Dale Julin's theory was that Donna Lass was buried eastward, to the east of Lake Tahoe. I mean, he had this whole detailed explanation. 
that she's buried like four miles east of state line Nevada or whatever it was. But as Richard stated, all of that is false, completely false. Her skeletal remains were found on the west side of Lake Tahoe and a substantial distance from Lake Tahoe. I mean, the amount of miles, I, I would say, into California, it's a substantial distance. Now, I, I am rethinking everything. Is it possible the Zodiac actually committed other murders and took credit for it? And it's quite possible now, quite possible. Yeah, so we have to look at other, you know, potential cases maybe in that area. Um, you know, and, and to me, it jumps out. It's it's not in the backyard of Vallejo. It's, you know, quite a drive to get out there. So, you know, why there? What What's the connection if it is Zodiac? And again, that's a big if, but if it is Zodiac, how and why is he out there in that area? Um, but for me, this just really opens up a whole lot of new questions or, or brings up new questions. You know, for example, you know, I go back to the whole disappearance itself. The police can't even clearly say or haven't said, you know, maybe they know and they just haven't said, if Donna made it out of the casino the night she vanished, you know, there's a lot of has been made of the, the pen trailing off the paper. Well, who, you know, it sounds sinister, but who knows? Maybe she was just tired and wanted to get out of there. Um, and so we don't know if she ever made it out. I think it's possible she could have been harmed or abducted while in the casino. But then again, I think it's it's just as likely she got out of the casino and something happened to her. But it, it brings up more questions because we don't know. We don't even know if she drove to work that day or walked that day. Or if she did, did she make it out to her car? Her car was found obviously back at her home. Um so if so, did she drive it there? Did she make it back and something happened to her at the apartment? Um, just so many questions there. I mean, I, for me, it would answer a lot if we could determine if she drove to, to to work that day and her car wound up back at her apartment. Well, there's two possibilities. Either she made it back to her apartment and something happened to her or somebody else drove it there. But to me, that would be, answer part of the mystery. And I don't know if the police know that precisely and know that she made it home or out of that casino. They just haven't said a lot, unfortunately. So it's left us to sort of speculate on on what happened. Was the uh, casino a 24-hour opening hours? And if yes. so, and if so, she must have handed over to another nurse at 2 a.m. then, I would have thought. And why haven't we heard anything about this handover and the, the scenario surrounding that? You know any anything about what how many nurses they employed and if if they were around twenty four hours a day there, uh, Ned? I don't know how many nurses they employed, but it from everything that I've gathered, it was twenty four hours, and that's why the shifts were arranged. They were Donna's working the six p.m. to two a.m. shift, and then you have a two a.m. to ten a.m. shift, and then there's the ten a.m. to six p.m. shifts. So Donna really was more or less the. Um, the night crew. She was the night nurse. Now, as far as wh where was Donna abducted, when I was reading Ray Grant's book, and this is the only book that I found that shared this information, he stated that more than a week after Donna's disappearance, they found a bag in the nurse's station that had Donna's nurse's shoes with muddied bottoms, which indicated that she had walked to work on the day of her disappearance. And as um, as we've said, she goes missing at maybe 1.45, 1.50 in the morning on September 6th of 1970. So that's right at the end of her shift. 
and I've always thought that she changed into a different type of shoe that she was going to wear while she was going to be sitting in the casino for a while. And I give credit to Morph, who has uncovered a lot of this information. He was the one who told me that Donna was afraid of the dark, and she liked to sit at the tables in the casino until it got light out. And, you know, that's only being smart and responsible on her part. So I think maybe she was changing her clothes already, getting ready to leave. And she has one final entry to write in the book. So uh, have you guys, you guys have not heard any other corroborating evidence for that, that were any other supporting points that her nurse's shoes were found in the first aid station? No, I, I haven't heard anything or seen anything verifying that at all. That's just uh, what you just explained is, is my knowledge of that. We actually don't know when she went missing. She was last seen about 1.15 a.m. by Joan Bentley. And since 1. then... 15? 115 Joan Bentley, wasn't it? I read yeah. it was 140 AM. Is it 115? No, no, no. That's the time she she that's the time 150 that she was deemed missing or left. I read, you're right. I read that she was witnessed at 140 AM by Joan Bentley. She's supposed oh, to write the entry in her book at 145 AM, but that's the incomplete one. And by 2 AM we have no idea what's happened to Donna. If we don't know actually she went missing at 145 or 150, because we can't prove that she didn't leave the casino willingly and walked home. And know that it's been reported that she didn't like walking home in the dark on her own. But we can't totally rule it out. We She could have gone home, gone to bed, made her bed, got up the next day and went missing the next day for all we know. All we know is uh, 145 or 150 is the last reported time step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That brings up so many questions. And again, in Ray Grant's Zodiac Killer Solved, he put out his theory that he thought that it was an abduction. Either the abductor or somebody else, like a, an accomplice, comes to Donna and says, hey, my family member's having an emergency in the parking lot. You're the nurse, right? Uh, please come quick. Somebody just lures her outside using one of the back entrances or back exits, rather, to the Sahara Tahoe Hotel. 
and then they just abducted her in the parking lot. And opportunistic predators do things like that all the time. And that's a plausible theory. I don't necessarily agree with Ray Grant's suspects, but I do think that that's a reasonable possibility. I think Mike and I probably agree that she was abducted by somebody she knew. Is that a fair assessment, Mike? Yeah, and the reason I think that it's just a theory of mine that if, and and I know this is coming to question now, if there was really a caller that said, hey, she's she's not going to be at work because she's she, you know there's a medical emergency back home in in South Dakota and she won't be in it, you know that's come under a little bit of questioning due to some confusion but if that if that call really came in if a guy called in and said Donna will not be at work because of this family emergency and there wasn't a family emergency if if a stranger just picked her up off the street there's simply no reason for them to call and delay anything they're not connected to her the only theory that makes sense to me is that they would do that because they are somebody that's in her inner circle and they needed to buy time. They needed to stall either to get rid of her body, to get rid of evidence, to get their story straight, to give them time for something because they knew the police would eventually be coming to them to talk to them. So to me, that's the only reason they would need to to, to make that call in the first place is if they were connected to her. Um, I just just don't see any reason why a stranger would need to do that at all, inject themselves into the case and risk a clue that might lead to them being identified. But it, it now, begs... Mike. Oh, sorry. Oh, well. can, I, can I just quickly say, it begs the question... Of course, go ahead. Say you, you were the friend of Donna Lass and you wanted to abduct her for nefarious reasons. Why would you do it in a populated casino with probably many people around why not wait for a more opportune moment by her where she lived or when she was walking down the road one day where or, or in the evening? Why would you pick a populated casino to do an abduction or a ruse? Yeah, I, me personally, I wouldn't. I would just wait till I had her in a spot where, you know, if she knows me and she trusts me and it's kind of hard to talk like this because I'm not somebody that's going to abduct somebody, but I'm trying to put myself in the, in the mind of somebody that might do that. Um I would wait till I'm alone with them. I'm not going to do it while there's a chance. And and that brings back my point of we don't know what happened. For all we know, she got a ride home from the casino that night with somebody that ultimately did this to her. Um, we just don't know. And that's why I think it's an important clue to find out. Did she make it out of the casino? You know, is there, you know, did she clock out? What's the process? This Things haven't been released is there a nurse that came along that's supposed to sign off and say, all right, I'm taking over now, go home. We've never heard any of this stuff. So we don't know for sure whether she made it out of there, but if she did any number of things could have happened, she could have made it home and then was attacked by someone she knew were a stranger, or she could have been given a ride home by somebody she trusted who ultimately uh, attacked her. Okay. I think those are all really good points. And, to answer Richard's question first about why would somebody who knew Donna Lass abduct her from the Sahara Tahoe Hotel when they could do that in a much more secluded area where they would let be less likely to be witnessed? Now, the thing that I've explored in the past was if it had been somebody like a maintenance man or a security guard who had a very strong knowledge of the hotel, they'd be familiar with dead spots or places that are authorized entry only, 
that would be off limits to um, the guests of the hotel and the guests of the casino. So someone who might have had a little bit of knowledge. But the question that I was going to ask Mike was, uh, can you share any more information about this phone call that came in that that might not have actually happened or there's some um, lack of clarity in the situation? Yeah, so I'm and and this is all coming out of a private in, investigator's report. And, you know, there's a news article um, that mentioned, for example, she was last seen with a blonde man. Well, if you look in the private investigator's report, a a witness thought they saw her hours after she supposedly was at the casino walking on Pioneer Trail with a blonde man. So to me, I'm thinking that's where that's coming from, this witness statement. Now, some people have questioned whether she actually saw her on the right day, and maybe that was a different day. My thinking is she just moved to Pioneer to that trail that that uh Monte Verde apartments literally a day before she went missing and that's right around Pioneer Trail before that she had lived uh, further down further away from Pioneer Trail so to me I'm thinking there's a good possibility this witness actually saw her the day she says she saw her which is hours after she was at that casino and if that's the case then we know she made it out of the casino because she's walking down the middle of the road with this blonde guy. And if, and if that's the case, who is this blonde guy? How does she know him? Assuming she's not been abducted by him because she's walking with him. And, you know, that leads to the question, how do we identify this, this blonde guy she was walking with? Based now, it's based, <laughs> Richard, go ahead. Sorry. Ba based on the uh, private investigators report, we came to the conclusion that Nick Davis, the landlord, did not receive any suspicious calls. So we can pretty much rule that one out. Uh, the only other one we're looking at is the other call made to the Sahara Tahoe Hotel. And I think it was Gordon Petrovich. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that was another confusing thing because it had been reported that both the apartment manager and Donna's work received these calls. But we, you know, it clarified a little bit that the apartment uh, guy didn't receive a call, but then there was confusion, <clears throat> excuse me, about how the information was relayed at Donna's work. And if there's some kind of mix up in the exchange there and, you know, later on there was in, in the report and the report's not really well written. So it's a little confusing, uh, but it, it looks almost as if somebody along the line saying, well, somebody suggested it that that's maybe it was, she had a family emergency. And so it, it's, it's very confusing. It's not very precise. And I think this is where, if we had access to Donna's actual police reports, we'd probably find some of these answers. We'd probably know for sure some of these things that we're wondering about now or picking at this, um, this, report that we do have access to and and maybe it would clarify some of those things and gordon petrovich said the he got the call on the 7th or the 8th didn't he mike so that that wouldn't make any sense from the standpoint of uh buying time by somebody ringing in who had abducted donna lass would it well and and again because it's secondhand information is he remembering her correctly now she was last seen what on the 6th uh early, early early morning of the 6th. Um, so, I mean, it could theoretically, I mean, if, if 
you know, she wasn't supposed to work, let's say, till the next night. And and I and maybe she wasn't even supposed to work at all because Joanne, according to her, was coming to see her that night and she and she never showed up. Um so you know, at some point maybe they they knew they had so much time before anybody was looking for her, and then they decided to to buy more time um, because they knew people would eventually be missing her and they maybe Joanne wouldn't be able to find her and she'd start poking around. Maybe the next time Donna was supposed to work, she wouldn't be there so that some work would start poking around. So maybe they knew at some point they needed to, to buy time. So I think it still could be possible that that person was, was buying time um, and, and trying to get the, the police to delay looking for her and coming around and asking questions. Okay, now there's something that I would like um, to also ask about, and that is that I've stated at the beginning that there's a lot of misinformation about the specifics of Donna's case out on the internet. And one of them is that I've seen in almost every article that talks about the sighting of the blonde man, that that occurred on September 7th of 1970, which would be a minimum of 20 hours after Donna's supposed to get off work. <clears throat> so... I mean, if that's the case, I've always thought that that was just pure fiction or a false witness sighting, if if that timeline is indeed true. Have you guys found anything that would suggest that that witness sighting actually occurred on September 6th? No, not besides what's in the, in the police report. It's, it's indicated that it's the 7th. Uh, and to me, that's a, that's a huge thing, because if it is the 7th, uh, I mentioned that before, then that shows that Donna's alive after that last time she was seen at the casino. Now, the the person could be misremembering it, and and it's the day before. But then it it begs to the question again: she literally just moved to that street the the day before. So would she have had time to be walking down the street with some guy? And I think it's still important to to identify that guy and and figure out who it is. And hopefully the police maybe did and question him. If not, that could be one of the one of the people they want to talk to because it could be a key witness. Um, and as far as I know, as far as we can tell, he has not been identified. A newspaper. Okay, Sorry, I just quick Richard. A newspaper article mentioned her being seen in the company of a blonde man by her apartment on the seventh. And Bearing in mind, we still don't know when technically she went missing. This is still a possibility, although I understand why people suspect this is incorrect information or the person who spotted the two together have probably got their dates wrong. But it, but it's still, in theory, possible. OK, yeah. and also very quickly, I first have to make the comment that I think that it would be extremely bizarre for them to have this type of 24-hour system, or even even just if it's not, let no matter what, for Donna to just leave 10 minutes early from work when she's not supposed to, if she's the only nurse on duty, I can only see that coming back to just absolutely bite a worker in the behind. That just seems like something that would be completely abnormal. Normally in jobs like that, there's a shift change, there's a brief conference that takes like two or three minutes. Oh, how did how'd everything go? And that's always suggested to me that Donna may, might have been either lured out on some type of um, false premise, or maybe she voluntarily left because somebody showed up and wanted to talk to her. So I think it's very bizarre that she wasn't witnessed at uh, 2 a.m. if somebody else is taking over. 
So that stands out to me. Now about this issue of the um of like is this how would Donna have this witness sighting near her apartment if she's only lived there for one day? I think that could be explained very easily that there could be somebody that she was seeing over the course of the summer and you know she's keeping him in touch, keeping him in the loop. Oh yeah, I'm moving on this and this date. I'm now going to be living in the Monte Verde apartment complex near Pioneer Trail. And people share things like that with their friends. So that's um, also doesn't seem like it's out of the question. If this is a guy that has some familiarity with Donna's life and her behavior. And I mean, it could also be that there was a real guy and we know that she was dating at least one guy, right, Mike? So um, maybe this is um him or this is somebody else whom she's sharing this information with but as I, I think i've made my stance clear i've kind of doubted a lot of the things about this witness sighting i don't personally find it credible i could be wrong but i think either the witness got confused or i think that maybe the sighting was just a piece of um, fiction that didn't actually happen but that's just my take on the subject do we know unfortunately, that's I was, I was just gonna say that's the unfortunately that is a a big it's either a big red herring or it's a big clue one way or the other. And, you know, if they could just identify that person, whoever it is, they could question him and say, why were you with her? What were you doing? Where were you going? What are your plans? What's your relationship? But we just don't know if that was ever done, if they were ever able to identify them. You know, there is mention of her dating people in the report that we have, but it doesn't go into real specifics. I don't know if they're identified you know, fully as to who they were. They're just general uh, things about them. Do we know for certain where her nurse's uniform was found? Because I could understand a nurse changing into her normal clothes just prior to her shift ending so she can get away dead on two o'clock. So do we know exactly where her nurse's uniform was found? I don't. I don't know that. Neither do I. I have not found. Um, I don't recall anything immediately about the location of her nurse's uniform. Also, giving a shout out to a listener of BBR Classic Chevy Cat who asked a really good question. Now, was her purse found in the nurse's station? Was a nurse's first aid kit or first aid bag found in the station? That should also answer some questions about was she um, interrupted while she was working or did she voluntarily leave? I mean, you would expect if her purse were found in the nurse's station, I think that would suggest an abduction at the Sahara Tahoe, if the purse was taken with her, that could raise a few more questions. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is where the police reports having access to them would come in handy because I'm, I'm sure, or I would hope at least that the police reports do have all this information. Purse was located here. Uh, clothing was located here. Maybe they even have pictures in there. Um, but then again, you know, if they don't really know she's missing right away, if, if it's not official that she's missing, the stuff get moved around. Did somebody find it and just put it in a different location thinking, oh, she just forgot it. I'll put it here. So when she comes back to work, she can have it. So those are the things we don't know what things were found, where and if they were moved and that kind of thing. And I also find it very strange that if you were a random killer who wanted to abduct a woman, for whatever reasons, and we can probably guess what those reasons might be, why you would pick that casino. You, you, you've got any option of a woman coming out of a club late at night, any time walking down the street late at night. 
this this is an easy opportunity for any person to abduct a woman if they so choose. So why would a random killer target a main building and go into a building with a ruse when there's so many more easy options to take? Yeah, I, I personally don't buy that theory. I don't think somebody abducted her inside the casino. I mean, you know, could they have lured her outside? You know, my my brother-in-law just slipped and banged his head in the parking lot. Can you come out to help him? I mean, something like that that gets her out of the building, I could see. I could see a possibility where she did get out after her shift and she's walking out to her car or walking home or whatever she's doing to get home. She gets out of the building and in the dark, somebody attacks her. I can see that theory happening. Um, as a matter of fact, there was, and it's mentioned in the police report, uh, there was a a woman who was attacked in a parking lot of, of I think it was that same casino, um, not long not uh, not long before Donna went missing. So you know, is that connected? Is there somebody that was sort of hanging out, waiting for a lone woman in in the middle of the night to leave that casino and, and to pounce on them? You know, you never know what a predator's capable of or where they're going to stalk their next victim at. Absolutely. And um, Mike, I don't I think that you um, just answered the question very easily, because what type of person would abduct a woman from a populated uh, hotel and casino? Well, one of the reasons why Donna took that job, as I've read, is that she wanted to work independently. She wasn't really her own boss, but she's the only person working at the nurse's station. And it's almost two o'clock in the morning. And no matter what, no matter how busy a casino is, they're going to be Fewer people in there will be at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. at night. Somebody might have noticed a woman in a vulnerable place. And I mean, maybe they knew where the exit door was, their vehicle is close by, or as Mike said, the word are out. I don't endorse that type of abduction theory, but I've definitely entertained the idea. There was a woman uh, killed at the Cal Never Casino 10 months later. And the busboy who was eventually charged in that murder and jailed, I think, for 47 years. He he told police that she was abducted. He saw, and he was an eyewitness, and saw her abducted by somebody in the parking lot of that casino, which is a very curious statement, bearing in mind this was 10 months after the disappearance of Donna Lass from outside the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. So I don't know if he got his idea from that crime or what, but he certainly wasn't the, well, what had he got anything to do with the abduction of Donna Lass? I don't know. Yeah. And, and, you know, a casino at night, um, those hours, especially after midnight, there's not a lot of people out there. It's dark. Um, even today, you know, people looking to do a quick robbery, somebody coming out of the casino thinks maybe they just want some money. Um, or they're targeting a woman and they, they, they know they're alone. There's not going to be many witnesses. Um, and back then there wasn't the kind of surveillance there is now. So it would be that much harder to be caught, at, you know, at, at night. And if, if this, ha if this same crime happened today, you know, there's so many cameras in casinos that I think it'd be very, very highly likely that they'd be able to pinpoint every movement of Donna 
coming and going to the casino, whether she made it outside, whether she got in a car, I think they'd be able to tell all of that with no question if this crime happened today. So, you know, unfortunately, I think back then there just wasn't that kind of surveillance to to see every move that was made and, and whether she made it out and what happened if she did get out. What What do you both think about the timing? This was coming to the end of her shift and it was 2 a.m. in the morning. So if she was abducted outside the casino or thereabouts, does that suggest she was targeted as a victim? You targeted by somebody who um, had some familiarity with her schedule if they're waiting until 2 a.m. specifically to abduct Donna Lass. I mean, that person would at least have to know her working hours. Now, it could be a coincidence that it was just some type of unknown abductor who just happened to get her at 1.50 a.m., 1.45 a.m. But then there is also just uh, the possibility that they saw her wrapping up, you know, changed out of her clothes, maybe like folding papers, opening up the notebook and such, giving the signs that she was closing down. Oh, okay, she's about to leave. She's done some things that have drawn attention to herself. And, I mean... The, those are possibilities, but I think you, you'd have to say the person knew her schedule if they specifically targeted her because it was two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and and that makes total sense. And if they and again, I go back to maybe it's somebody that was there to pick her up and give her a ride home. So she said, "Be here at two o'clock. I'll meet you out in the parking lot," and then that could explain why they're there. Then again, it could be somebody totally random that just happened to be there at that time and, and was going to attack the first woman they saw alone. And it just happened to be Donna. Now, I want to point out, statistically, people that meet with foul play way more often than not are attacked by somebody they know. The chances of being attacked by a total stranger or meeting a serial killer out in the parking lot are slim. Um, statistically, you know, the person that's attacked knows the person. So my thinking is just my theory. I don't have any proof. I think she got out of the casino that night without a problem. And either in the parking lot, got into a ride with somebody she knew. I think the odds are that's most likely what happened. And from there, something happened. Or I think she made it home and to her apartment, something happened. Uh, but I, I think statistically, she knew her killer because that's typically what happens. People that are that are murdered know the person that did it to them. They're not killed by strangers. Yeah, it's a bit like Judith Hikari. She left her work at the hospital and she got home and was abducted basically when she parked up. And now we know that was um, th th there was a good chance that the person that abducted her knew her movements and when she was arriving home. And we know with the other crime of Nancy Benelak, uh, Richard Don John Davis was convicted of her murder and he lived close by. So it certainly... Uh, could be somebody familiar with the schedule of Donna Lass. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I do need to point out, though, as even though it's very unlikely that someone would be targeted by a serial killer, we also have the Zodiac Killer and the Zodiac Connection. And for the overwhelming majority of Zodiac victims, it appears that they didn't have a personal connection to the killer. It's quite possible that none of the Zodiac victims had a connection to the killer. And even though I put the Zodiac as a low suspect in the past, now kind of an intermediate suspect, that would provide an explanation about why there isn't this um, big paper trail leading back to somebody that she knew. If it indeed was the Zodiac, it seems like he targeted victims that he didn't personally know. Yeah. I mean, and that's that is his MO is to just randomly attack people where he found them. And the, the only connection we've got between the Zodiac killer and Donna Lass is are his insinuations in the Pines card. That's it really. There's no other evidence of any involvement from the Zodiac killer. Is there? so now, and uh, you know, I think we also have to remember there were multiple predators operating in that area around that time um the guy's name is escaping me but there was at least one serial killer who attacked m- several women uh, in old. that area yeah yes. yep, that's him so uh and and i think there were a couple more if i remember correctly there was also a couple different you know i i don't remember their names but there were two and i'm going forward a little bit in the in the late 70s uh 80s there were some other casino workers who were killed 82 so, yeah, it was and Lily Shosso and Marilyn Putt from Harris Casino. Yes, and they were they were abducted at the same time, disappeared at the same time, and were found two different times. Their remains were found at separate locations, separate times. So, I mean, it was clearly a place where predators operated. And you know, again, it's it's not really populated. There's lots of woods to to att- take somebody and do whatever you're going to do and leave their remains. So I, I think it makes sense that it could be a predator. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that knew these women. Um, it could be that they did run into a stranger who was a predator. Um, but then again, even somebody that knows them and wants to get rid of their bodies could also do it and dispose of it in the same areas that these these serial killers do. So then I would like to ask both of you, why don't we just address this one right now? What do you think about Lawrence Kane as a suspect for the disappearance of Donna Lass? And this is a two-part question because I've had the opportunity to interview Jeremy Berthume, author of the book, So I See You Don't Paint Houses. And his theory about the disappearance of Donna Lass was that Lawrence Kane was not the Zodiac killer. But what happened was he believes that Lawrence Kane abducted Kathleen Johns and the whole ride-along was true. 
But then she said that the Zodiac poster on the wall of a police station looked like her abductor. So Lawrence Kane learned about that from the papers and was like, hey, this Zodiac guy looks like me. So he committed a murder knowing fully well that he could blame it on the Zodiac. And he was the one who fabricated the Pines card. And that definitely is a two-part question. I hope it comes that way because I know you guys are going to have some stronger opinions just about Lawrence Kane as a um, Donna Lass abducting suspect. So what do you think? For me, I I don't buy Lawrence Kane in any way, shape, or form being Zodiac whatsoever. Um, and as far as Donna Lass, I just don't see anything that connects him. I mean, if it, it's it'd be one thing if you could prove that they had a connection, that they worked together, that you know he lived in the same apartment complex. I mean, something along those lines. I would say, okay, I take him a lot more serious, but I don't see anything that that connects him solidly. So right now, it's just a theory that somebody's got out there with no no connections you got to remember that kathleen johns identified a person aged about 30 and lawrence kane was 45 years of age in 1970 the only other connection is obviously the claim by harvey hines that he worked um at the sahara tahoe and he lived in eddie street which was not too far away from where paul stein began his final journey Right, right. So I think Lawrence Kane's a very weak Zodiac suspect, but I do want to point out that Sandy Betts attended a reunion and anniversary party at the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino, and she claims that she talked to people who said that Donna Lass did indeed know Lawrence Kane. Now that is almost like hearsay. That is secondhand, thirdhand information. So I just want to point out that someone does attempt to corroborate that, even though we can't verify it 100%. Do you I mean, think if that was... It, it, I was just going to say, if that was in a police report that they that there was some kind of police investigation that connected them, I'd believe that. But to me, that's just secondhand hearsay. Right. Yeah. Storytelling versus um, documented evidence. Yeah. You think that um, the Zodiac killer just claimed Donna Lass because he read the news news reports in September and knew that she worked at the Letterman Hospital in the Presidio where he was last seen heading. And by claiming her, by tying the two areas of South Lake Tahoe and Presidio Heights together, it bolsters his case of being responsible for the abduction of Donna Lass. Yeah, I think he was somebody that capitalized on news stories um, and, you know, just loosely connecting himself to them. Um so I wouldn't put it past him to get involved in, in Donna's case and try and um, take credit for it. Yes, I've um, thought so in the past as well. I mean, my exact take on the subject was I think the Zodiac killer was mostly telling the truth after the murder of Paul Stein when he says, I will not announce my crimes in the same way because you'll slow down my collecting of slaves. I'm going to disguise them as routine robberies and accidents and so on. And that that's why he's only vaguely alluding to himself actually committing those crimes. And that's a big reason why I thought none of the Zodiac possible crimes were actually the same person, because he is just um, taking credit for crimes that he didn't commit. Because if there isn't proof, I was like, it's not him. That was just my pure, pure assessment of the situation, my unprofessional assessment of the situation. So that's what I thought the um, Donna last story was. That just the Zodiac killers learned some basic information about that. I've 
mostly thought that the Pines card was authentic and that it's just, again, connecting himself to the Lake Tahoe region, even though there's no proof whatsoever that he actually committed the crime. And I was like, he's not proving it. He's most likely making it up. I think the Zodiac did this numerous times. I don't think he had any real Riverside activity. I don't think that he had a bomb that he was going to detonate. I think that those were just wild stories. And, and then, and then, Donna Lass's remains were found, and everything that Richard shared in the beginning pointed toward the Pines card could very well likely have come from the killer. And maybe, maybe that killer was the Zodiac, because that's actually pointing us in the right geographic direction, rethinking a lot of things right now. Yeah. And again, to, to, to pick that spot out of all the area around, you know, where she vanished from to be that close seems like an awfully big coincidence. Like you said, he insinuated in many crimes. He did it with Sherry Joe Bates. He did it with Snoozy and Furlong. And we know that Carl Francis Werner was responsible for the Snoozy and Furlong murders. So he was proved to be a liar in that case. And that sheds a lot of doubt on his his claims to Donna Lass, Sherry Joe Bates, etc. So, and like you said, Ned, he said Riverside activity. Could he be just half claiming the letters rather than the murder? He's leaving his options open. Sure. Right. Everything gets very vague. Like after the murder of Paul Stein, everything is just not very specific. So I just thought that that was somebody like doing a bunch of wheel spinning. He's just like kind of trying to make people second guess everything. It's creating the image of terror, which is what the Zodiac wanted. Like anytime there's a crime, well, was that the Zodiac killer? And guess what? He succeeded because um, 50 some odd years later, every crime in the second half of the 20th century has a Zodiac connection. Yeah, And if you look at the confirmed Zodiac crimes where he writes letters about the ones we know he did, they're very detailed. They're very precise he, you know he's in you know a couple instances he's mailing shirt pieces so you can't get any more spot on than, than that um connecting yourself to the crime but in these ones that he's not confirmed to have done there's so much more vagueness to the to the to the correspondences that it, because it, it seems to me he's probably just picking what he can gleam out of a newspaper and and he doesn't have any inside information to provide police with that proves that he's the killer I looked recently, Mike, at uh, the Forest Pines at Incline thing, like we mentioned earlier, where he got the advertisement from. And we know he capitalized peak through peak, peak through the pines. So there's a fair chance. I think most people have concluded he got it from the Examiner or the Chronicle. So I took a look at the Examiner newspaper recently on newspapers.com and he got that uh, Forest Pines at Incline from page 15 of the March the 19th, 1971 newspaper. So I'll travel back through it. And on page nine, there's the correct size for a headline saying Sierra Club backs park tax boost. So that's probably where he got the Sierra Club paste up from. And then I traveled a little bit further and there was another article in the Examiner again on January the 28th, and it said bids sought for wharf development. And that was the correct size as well. And the most curious one, if you notice on the Pines card, he doesn't use separate words. It's one statement around in the snow. It's not made from several cut pieces. So 
around in the snow is not easy to find. I went onto newspapers.com and only found one single entry for around in the snow. And that was from the examiner again on January the 6th. So is there a possibility he was preparing this card as early as January the 6th for its mailing on March the 22nd? Because this seems to be where he's harvesting his material for the Pines card from the San Francisco examiner. That's Personally, I want to say, Richard, that's incredible. I mean, that's an incredible find on your part. That's all I wanted to say. Over to yeah. you, Mike. And, I, and it's a good segue to something I wanted to ask you guys about because the, the Peak Through the Pines card um, sent March 22nd, 1971. Could that be connected to the Christmas card sent to Donalass's family in 1974? Because they wrote, you know, guardian of the pines in that, in that Christmas card and peek through the pines is what was sent in 1971. So this is either somebody that remembers that, Hey, back in 1971, the Zodiac used peek through the pines in, in this letter I saw in the newspaper. And they were just sending a, a card to Donna's family and happened to say, let me use that same thing. Or it's possible the same person also sent that and they're hinting at pines specifically. What do you guys think about that Christmas card? Okay, well, so to start off, um, the year of 1974, I think, is absolutely fascinating for Zodiac communications because we've had a halt in Zodiac activity for two years, 72 and 73, no confirmed communications. Then it actually looks like in 1974, there's a very high chance that the Zodiac started writing again. But as far as this one, I do have like a, a follow-up question, though, because, more if I'm drawing a blank, is the, is the 1974 Donna last card actually mentioning the name Donna? Does it say St. Donna on the card? Donna, yeah, and it's, Richard too. It's, it's handwritten, Best Wishes, St. Donna, and Guardian of the Pines. Okay, yes. and um, But by that time, though, the Donna last connection had been firmly established with the Zodiac and reported in the papers. And that's why I always go back to the End of Thin Air podcast that shared their analysis like this. All right. Firstly, Donna Lass goes missing. Firstly, we have people beginning to think about, well, I mean, what happened to Donna? Then there's the Pines card that is mailed and then no specific information is tied to Donna Lass in the Pines card. So then people are almost making these mental connections. And by 1974, I think it was widely understood that there was a Zodiac killer theory involving Donna Lass. So a copycat could have fabricated that relatively easily. But that's my take. Why, why do you think? Why do you think the person who sent that card waited till 1974? What do you think triggered that exact time to deliver that card to Mary Pilker? Uh, I don't know, um, and I, I. It's been a while since I looked into the card, so I'd have to go back and, and refresh myself with it. But I don't know if an article ran maybe around that time saying, Hey, uh, this Donald last case is still unsolved now after, you know, three or four years. And maybe they saw something in there. Um, I have to go back and look to see if there were any articles no. that ran in the paper around the time this card was mailed. There was an article mid 1974 about Mary Pilker who got involved in a car crash, hmm. but, but I can't see any connection because that was around June or July or somewhere around there. So I don't really think that's, 
relevant, but that's the only mention I saw of Mary Pilker in 1974, which may have triggered a response from somebody, but that's six months in advance. So, but I, but I did type guardian of the pines into the newspapers.com as well. And there is a, there is one entry. um, But again, it's a nursing home in Atlantic city. So The, the yeah, relevance yeah. is not there, is it? Where he might have got the inspiration for that that uh, that card. Well, I go you back know, to go ahead, the, the, go ahead. the the fact that now Ned's Ned could be right. Ned could this could be a copycat that just said, "Hey, uh, I know somebody previously uh, sent a card that mentioned the pines, uh, and now I'm going to use pines in my thing." But they'd have to do that after three years. After, and remember that specific mention of the pines. So, you know, as people that study this case a lot, we remember things from one letter to the next and we know offhand the dates. But if somebody was just randomly sending a, uh, you know, something to Donna's family in South Dakota, um, would they remember the, the, the pines thing being used from so long ago? Um, but you know, three years before peaked through the pines and now they're using guardian of the pines to me, it makes it seem like it could be the same person. And, and what I also find interesting is if somebody wanted her family to think that they were the Zodiac, why wouldn't they just put a threat in there? You know, I killed Donna and now she's out in the pines. This is almost like a tongue in cheek. Like, uh, it looks like it's a, um, a well-meaning happy holidays type card. Um, there's no threats in there, but it, it seems like something the Zodiac would do. He'd sort of rub their nose in it and say, you know, here's a, here's a taunting, you know, you might take it as it's just a Christmas card somebody sent, but it's really, a, you know, a dig at you because, you know, Donna's buried out here near these pine trees. Did you know that uh, Jibber Jabber sent me an article about Donna Lass, and it stated in there, she attended church at St. Mary's in the Pines every Sunday. So there's your saint and there's your Pines. Uh, and that's interesting. So, and and back in, in the 70s, you know, right now we have the internet, so we can find anything quickly. We can just start searching databases and searching newspapers.com and finding all kinds of wonderful things to try and connect. But back in the 70s, would somebody, either the real Zodiac, the real killer, somebody that's a copycat, what access would they have to to all of this stuff to sort of combine them? And to me, it, it doesn't seem like it would be a lot. Um, and I just go back to the fact that this person chose Guardian of the Pines three years after somebody claiming to be Zodiac uh, mentioned the Pines. Do they just have a really good memory? Yeah, and and maybe they just like that phrase, and it sounds creepy, and and uh, that's why they used it again. So to me, I think it's just less likely that some well-meaning person that wasn't involved would send them a card and use that phrase. Uh, to me, it's a taunt. It's taunting. Guardian of the Pines. Um, it, it almost sounds taunting and and mean, and it's meant to look like a Christmas card, a holiday card. Yeah, it's sinister. But, but the Zodiac Killer, what I found, he, he was often sourcing articles for months, as I've just explained just a minute ago, months, if not years before, 
almost like he kept cuttings from maybe what crimes he did, or he worked with newspapers, or he was a hoarder of newspapers, because he seemed to find these things with an incredible <laughs> consistency through his communications, where he's quoting things from weeks, months, and years before. So has he got any connection to the uh, newspaper industry? Yeah, it's interesting. And then that sort of goes with what I was saying. What are the chances some random well-meaning person sent this card to Donna's family and happened to use Guardian of the Pines when the somebody that's possibly the Zodiac sent peek through the pines? I, I, I think that's too much of a coincidence to, for, for my liking. And to be very clear, I did not um, think that the guardian of the pines card in 74 was a well-meaning person i was like maybe somebody who did that as also as a taunt but morph brings up a various of some very solid reasoning about how that could be the same type of person but richard did ask a question does does the zodiac killer's behavior suggest that he worked in the newspaper business maybe but what i think is definitely definitely more um apparent is the Zodiac probably was either a hoarder or collector of newspapers. When you say a hoarder, it almost means like they're a little bit disorderly. I think he probably would have had newspapers, magazines, books, and he would have probably collected them somewhat neatly and would have been familiar with a lot of the stories in there. And I do think the Zodiac Killer would have been the type of person to recall very, very strong and clear details, a very vivid memory, maybe not um the best at doing like all types of complicated intelligent um issues but i do think that he would have um collected all of those things just because there's so many different influences on the zodiac's behavior from the previously mentioned magazines and comic books and newspapers and i just think that that's all a big clue he, he can sift through microfiche at the library for old articles but certainly for his cuttings you know it has to have the newspaper actually in his possession uh, i just want to say one thing real fast you guys are a lot older than i am even when i was growing up in the 90s we regularly kept newspapers around magazines we had a whole wall of national geographic and scientific american magazines so it's totally normal to keep that stuff around before the internet yeah I, and i thanks for calling us old then <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not yeah, mean that at all. <laughs> you're you're you are right though. You know, back in the day, um newspaper delivery was very common and you could get umpteen depending on the city you lived in, how how big it was, you could get lots of different newspapers delivered to you. And I think you hit you hit the nail on the head. I think Zodiac was somebody that read a lot, especially trying to find stuff about them being in the newspaper. So I I would predict that he subscribed to a lot of different newspapers and, and read a lot and probably st stored them and had some box where he kept clippings and, and stuff like that. hundred percent. Have both of your positions shifted significantly since the discovery of her remains at the location they were found, whether, yes. it's, whether it's a Zodiac killer or not. Yes. Yeah. As for me, I'm I'm waiting to hear more. I want to hear more. I'm hoping the police come out with more details. Um, and, oh. uh, you know, that would be great to help me think a little bit more about what my next, uh, you know, thoughts will be. 
just quickly, what, what happened about that skull that was found a year or two ago? We haven't heard anything since, have we? Not that I know of, and I, I haven't been following it closely, but but it doesn't surprise me if it took this long to find Donna's DNA in, in one of the skulls. I, I just don't know why it took so long, especially because her family's DNA was on file. You know, you can, you know, there's some speculation online that they had to do genealogy to tr- find out the skull was Donna's. That's not true. Her, you know, once they got that DNA out of that skull, they had her families already. They can compare it one to one against it and say, this is either a family member or it's not. So once they did that, it, they didn't have to go through an entire genealogy process to to try and figure out it was Donna's. They just compared it to her family's that was on file. Now, if this other skull doesn't have, you know, if they had some different missing persons, family members, DNA to compare it against, and it wasn't a match to any of them, then they might elect to do the genealogy route. And that takes, that's more time consuming, more costly uh and takes a longer time so something like that uh you you'll take longer but my thinking is because they have the success now with donna's case in identifying her i'd be shocked if they're not trying to identify every bit of remains they have in their possession of of any remains they've ever recovered in their jurisdiction because whether they match it one-to-one with a family member who supplied dna or what they go genealogy I think one way or another, they can identify a lot of these people and maybe not solve their case, but at least put a name to some of these remains. Did Did you know there was a skull found on November 1972 at the Malakoff Diggins State Park, which is 15 miles west of where Donna Lassie's remains were found? I had collected a listing of some different remains from that area for a project I was working on. Um, And, you know, from the seventies to the eighties, I had sort of compiled a list of cases of people who were found dead or disappeared from the air or remains that were found. But I don't, I didn't go back and look at that since, um, since Donna's remains were found. So I don't remember if I had that on my list of of remains that were found. Yeah, there was. Right. And much, Oh, sorry. But uh, much like Morph, I'm still trying to digest all of this information because people were sending me like articles from the 1980s and such talking about the different human remains that were found in not exactly the vicinity of the Yuba Gap, but in that part of California, in that part of the country. And there are so many stories. And that almost made me think of the Gilgo Beach killer, Rex Hewerman, who's, well, I guess still awaiting trial, but just about how Serial killers, are they using the same area as a dumping ground? Is this all the same person? Because that definitely got me thinking about how, is this just like a serial killer who's using this place to discard the bodies for disposal? Now, not enough information has been provided to support a theory like that. That is just purely a curiosity. But um, I, I mean, there are just so many stories of like human remains being found in that part of the country. Yeah, Placer yeah. County was popular for dumping ground of bodies. There was a, there was another body found, another skeleton found in Colfax by Iowa Hill Road, and that's within touching distance of Ponderosa Way, where um, we know that um, Judith Akari's body was found, and that was nineteen seventy two as well. And and. You know, it's it's not unusual to 
for multiple killers to be in the same area. I mean, operating at the same time in the same area is sort of unique, but it's not unheard of. You know, there have been cases where there were thought to be more than one killers that just happened to be dumping bodies in the same general vicinity. You know, you can go to the Texas killing fields outside of Houston um, and um, down along I-45 and from the, from the, 70s 80s into the, i think into the 90s there were lots of of female victims and and a couple of male victims too um who were killed dumped found whatever you want to call it in the same general vicinity and they think there was more than one person doing it it wasn't the same person so i think it there can be a, an overlap for sure and that sort of segues into another question i wanted to ask you guys before we moved along too far uh we mentioned judith hakari um like donna she was a nurse you know she was found sort of out in the middle of nowhere um so there are some similarities with that they had a similar overall look what are your thoughts both of you as to the possibility her case could be connected to donna's do you want to answer ned first or Certainly. I'll uh, take on this one because I think that there are a lot of similarities. And this is the type of stuff that always bothered me about the Zodiac case. When they look at someone who is sneaking up on people and firing gunshots or tying up the victims and stabbing them and walking away, that is a different type of crime completely. But targeting a lone woman when it's dark out, both of them even have similar occupations very, very strong similarities. And that does lead me to believe that there's a chance that this could be related, or at the very least, at the very least, I would say this is a similar type of criminal behavior, whereas absolutely everything that the Zodiac did in his confirmed crimes was different. And I do want to throw in one side note about the um, remains that have been found. After I was reading through the stories of how there were these remains that were found in California and Nevada, one story I encountered was that of the lady in the fridge. In 1995, a woman's body was found in a refrigerator, and also her family was looking for her. And it wasn't until 2023 that she was identified as Amanda Deza. So sometimes it does take 28 years, 37 years for these identifications. And it just appears to be a slow process. Yeah, and it, I think it really comes down to when they employ the genealogy. So, you know, if you've had remains sitting up in, in your shelf or wherever you keep them, you know, a skull, whatever, if you've had them sitting up there since 1985, when you decide, hey, I'm going to do genealogy, I'm going to extract DNA from the skull and do genealogy, that part can be done quickly. It doesn't take years and years to do that. Uh, it's just a question of when they decide they're going to do it and they put their mind to it and they put put the money in to do it because it's it's it the actual testing the genealogy all of that stuff can be done in in, in pretty short order so uh you know it, usually it's a lack of money it's a lack of money but now it's becoming more and more easier access to get that work done more people are doing it so it's bringing down the cost and i think you're going to see more and more police agencies with un unidentified remains they're just going to be doing this on a more regular basis and you're just going to see more and more of these John Doe's and Jane Doe's identified. But then the 
the quite the investigation still has to come in well how did they get there who did it what happened to them but at least they'll have their names back in, in yes, respect in respect to judith akari six days after she disappeared there was a guy by ponderosa way who spotted three men with a, a vehicle in the location she was eventually found buried and when he approached them, they shut the boot and sort of uh, fobbed him off saying they were bottle hunting or something like that. So there were three people there. I would suspect these are the three individuals partly responsible either for her killing or aiding in the killer to dispose of the body. Didn't they have shovels or didn't one of them have a shovel? I thought I remember somebody. I just know that they sort of shut down the boot. It's like they were taking her body in the boot to dispose of it. The fact that he reported this six days after she was abducted. Mm -hmm. uh, was she kept for six days? Was she killed and then eventually dumped? But it seems rather a coincidence in such a remote area. Um, I mean, it was near Weimar, um, Ponderosa Way. So to travel all the way out there and have this suspicious activity occur at the exact site her body was ultimately found suggests to me that these three lads had something to do with her disappearance and uh, and murder. Yeah, that's always been an interesting, interesting thing. And then there was one more case I wanted to ask you guys about, and this has reignited my interest in this case, and that's Dr. Charles Hollingsworth. Um, he was a doctor who lived on in South Lake Tahoe, and his apartment was less than one mile from Donna's, from Donna's new apartment. Um, and he went missing, you know, within weeks of Donna going missing. So I've always wondered, could there be a connection? You've got the medical thing. You've got them being so close to each other. Uh, one thing we know is that Donna had an interest in flying or, or had been out with pilots. Um, Dr. Hollingsworth owned a plane. So I, I, I can't prove they knew each other. But to me, if they did, if there's some kind of link between them and they, it was proven that they knew each other, I'd have a hard time saying their cases aren't connected somehow. What, what do you guys think about the Hollingsworth case? Well, his surgery was only about 300 meters from the Lowe's. Yeah, that. so so he was close. His, his work was close to Donna's old house, and where yeah. he lived was very close to Donna's new apartment. Mm -hmm. That's right. So about this one, someone just asked me recently, on Black Box Online Radio, are there any other suspicious deaths in the area surrounding um, Donna's disappearance? And I drew a name on the blank, and Richard filled me in, actually, so thank you for that about this story. And I think that it comes down to something that I once heard on True Crime Garage. When you have two events like this, in, as Morf said, in such close-by locations, absolutely you have to think about a connection, even if it's you know a man versus a woman, lone female being abducted versus the contrary you have to think about a connection if these two events are happening as close by as they are so there could be a very high chance that they are related if you know if if, if it does come to light and, yeah, and i mean sorry go ahead, Bridge. how do you factor in uh where his vehicle was found i can't remember the exact location his vehicle was found maybe you know but how do you factor that into the equation so i don't remember exactly I, I don't have anything in front of me so i'm just going by memory here and i from me visualizing i don't think it was found very close to where donna's remains were found 
Um, but I'll have to get back and, and look at that just to see if I'm if I'm remembering that correctly. No, but I, okay. I do know that you know, the only things I know for sure is that his apartment was so close to to her new apartment. Um, you know, she was supposedly last seen with this blonde guy on Pioneer Trail, and that's where he lived. Um, and so I mean, he, 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 that's how close it is. Um, it could be totally, you know, not connected. It could just be random. But one interesting thing in his case, there were reports that he was depressed. Um, he had gone through a divorce. He wasn't doing good financially with his business. There was a, 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 a run of problems. I interviewed his, his daughter for my podcast, Missing Persons. Um, she had some really good insights into him. Um, but the interesting thing that I took away from it, there, were, there was the theory that he had gone out into this area where his car was found and, and taken his own life. Um, but was interesting was his gun was found inside his car and he was not found. So you would think if he took his own life, he likely would have used that gun. So how's the gun in his car um, and found, but he's not found. So you can't take your own life with a gun, assuming that's how he would do it. If he was going to take his own life and the gun is found safely in the car, it just doesn't add up. So to me, that's always been a, a very perplexing part of that. You know, does he take his own life in such a way that his body's never found and and then how it, unless he took his his life in a different way how is he um you know that gun found safely in the car and not with him someplace wouldn't you expect his body to be found relatively close to his vehicle you're not going to walk five miles away from your car to commit suicide sure uh, that's that's what i would think and what and what you also made a connection to santa barbara didn't you yeah, so there was another guy named, I think his name was Richard Streel, and he disappeared. Now, his was a little bit later in the 70s. It wasn't right after Donna went missing. Um, it was later on. Just the interesting thing I found about him was that he had lived in Santa Barbara at the same time Donna had lived in Santa Barbara, and they were in very close proximity. Um, so I just happened to catch that when I was doing research and, and see that they both lived in Santa Barbara at the same time, I have no idea if they knew each other, but I just, you know, them living at the same time in Santa Barbara, so close to each other with, I think it was within a mile. Um, I, I just always found that interesting. And then, you know, he goes missing in, in uh, the same area as Donna could be totally unconnected, but it just was something that jumped out to me. And I do have one thing to share about this because you guys were talking about what would happen if the disappearance of Donna Lass took place today and Morph brought up the point about how there would be so many more surveillance cameras in the casino. But as I previously mentioned, the story of Amanda Schumann Diza, the lady in the fridge, I mean, I was just on Fox 40's website and they were interviewing the witness who found the body. And I think if Donna Lass went missing in 2023, people who knew her would be being interviewed, the clips would be shared on the internet, and we wouldn't just be guessing about these things, well, was it this guy or that guy, or did someone actually see the sighting of the blonde man? Was somebody actually talking to her in Santa Barbara? Those people would be making clear and documented video evidence. This is what happened, and they're at least telling their story in a way that we can evaluate. I mean, people are always going to misremember details, but that would be just an enormous amount of clarity that we would have but we don't have that from the early 1970s. 
Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it's so much easier to have a discussion online or jump on a forum. A case is new and fresh. There's like a web sleuth thread started immediately or a Reddit thread started immediately where people are just compiling information right from day one. Obviously, they didn't have that back in the in the 70s. So um, if, if, Don, if a case like Don has happened today, you know, there'd be an immediate, you know, forum or uh, Reddit post or web sleuth post talking about the case. And today we have number plate recognition cameras. So you could track all the friends and family of Donna Lass, check your cameras, see where these vehicles went and if they headed off into the Tahoe regions of nowhere, you yeah. could probably uh, focus on these people because you can track people now with their vehicle with the number recognition system. I don't know if it's the same in America, but they well, do that in the UK. Yeah, there's a number yes, of different uh, surveillance cameras and, and traffic cameras and even ring doorbells. People, almost everybody has some kind of security home home system. Donna's neighbors might have had one where they would have captured her if she made it home and was trying to get into her house and something happened. I mean, it, it's almost impossible today. Uh, yeah. Plus, if it happened today, Donna probably would have had a cell phone. There'd be cell phone data. You know, where was her phone last pinging off of that kind of stuff? So it's obviously it, it, it didn't happen today. It happened back in the 70s when there wasn't on this stuff. But I think there'd be a lot less mystery to it now. There'd be a lot more to, to investigate now if it happened today. And you have oh, and yes. And the the uh, technology is also improving. I remember from the Alec Murdoch murders that uh, not only do they have like the locations of vehicles, the OnStar data in the car can also tell you when the doors are being opened and when they're being closed. And um, I think that it's just it, it is somewhat saddening that this type of information is not there. Yeah, Absolutely. So do you guys want to shift gears a little bit and take some of these comments and theories and questions from the, the posters yeah. on ZodiacKiller.com? Yes, but I do have one final question for yep. both of you, because I've been asked this a lot recently after Donna Lass's remains were identified. Is there any chance at all? And if so, what is the likelihood of Ted Bundy being the perpetrator? I don't know enough about his movements. I mean, I, I know a couple I know of a very uh, thorough Ted Bundy expert who I could reach out to right now and say, hey, on this date, where was Ted Bundy? And she could probably tell me. And maybe I'll do that actually after we we do this just to end any speculation on it. She would know what state he was living in and where he was going to school, that kind of Washington. stuff. So, yeah. So I, I think it's highly unlikely that that it was him. But, you know, I could actually find out for sure where he was. I just want to point out that was a wild fringe theory that people were sharing in 2021. But after Donna Lass's remains were identified in multiple, multiple places online, they're like, forget the Zodiac killer. Let's look at Ted Bundy as the suspect. So that's why I had to ask you. Yeah. And yeah. and unfortunately, there's just so many predators out there in California during that time. You could go to any county and find somebody that was up to no good. And, you know, look how many cases the Zodiac is connected to and we know he didn't kill all those different people in all those cases but you know it doesn't stop people from trying to connect him in, in mid in mid 1970 uh ted bundy was at the university of washington and in 71 yeah. he was working in seattle yeah but that doesn't so preclude very unlikely anybody, yeah it doesn't preclude anybody from traveling distances to commit a murder but it makes it uh less likely 
So let's jump into some of these questions. Um, so first one is from PC9900. And they say, Morph's interview last year with the daughter of Dr. Charles Hollingsworth, who went missing from South Tahoe several weeks after last, opened my mind to a greater possibility that Lass and Hollingsworth could have known each other. Can you summarize what is known about the possible links between the two people and their disappearances? Well, we, we just touched on that. Um, they were both in the medical field. They both lived very close to each other. Their, his business was close to each other. But beyond that, I, I, I don't think we have any solid connection that they knew each other or any proof of that. Um, so we'll move on to the next one. Um, quickly, Mike, quickly. Yep. Do you know Donna Lassie's doctor? I don't. I don't know that. See, that'd be curious if it was <laughs> Hollingsworth, wouldn't it? Yeah, that that would be suddenly interesting. And and this is where the police could come in and say, hey, could these two cases be connected? Um, and I don't recall what kind of doctor he was. I haven't looked at him in a while. So I, mm -hmm. you know, if, if he was like a plastic surgeon or something, I think he was a general doctor that did a little bit of everything, but I'm not remembering that clearly so i don't want to say that for sure but um you know if it was, if, if he was like a specialized plastic surgeon or something like that and donna was having a plastic surgery there's probably no chance he would be her doctor but then again if he's a general doctor and his business was close to where she used to live with the lows then maybe she might go to the him as one of the closest doctors and then all of a sudden that becomes a very interesting possible connection so the next one is from our friend Druzer. He says, I'd like to know more about the young security guard named Rasmussen that Mary mentioned. Uh, and the quote is, I feel someone at the casino definitely knows more than they have said. A young guard named Rasmussen came up on his own and asked if the lake was searched. So this is Druzer's asking about uh, Mary Pilker, Donna's sister, and this this Rasmussen guy. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, he wasn't in the private investigators report, was he? I don't recall that name being in there, but I, I should have had that report up and open right now. And I don't. So um, I, I do know there is a security guard mentioned there and somebody else is going to ask about him coming up. So we'll we'll get to him. But I don't remember Rasmussen specifically. And I just want to point out that with the murder of Arliss Perry in 74, the perpetrator turned out to to be Stephen Crawford, the security guard that found her body. And I think one of the reasons why I even mentioned maintenance man or security guard as possible occupations of Donna Lass's murderer is those would be people who would know the layout of a building like the Sahara Tahoe very well. And with security guards, they would also have access to the surveillance. They're going to know when people are watching and when people are not watching. And now what do I think about somebody asking a question, did they search the lake? That just sounds like it could easily be innocent. That could easily be just curiosity or somebody is just thinking about a likely burial place. And a lot of people, a lot of people on forums have talked about how they thought Donna Lass was, um, well, buried at, at Lake Tahoe. I almost said buried at sea. That's not really fair. But they thought that she was put into the water. So that doesn't strike me as anything that could be incriminating at face value. But, I mean... If it turns out to be a security guard, I won't be surprised at all. I suspect that I suspect that Drew's asking the question because sometimes the murderer will interject himself into a crime scene 
So maybe that's why Drew's asking that question. Entirely possible point, as well. Just different possibilities on the table. Yeah, and I think it was, I, I think what it was really nagging was that it bothered Mary, if I if I understand correctly, something that stuck out in her mind. So she was suspicious of it, but maybe at the time she might have been suspicious of anybody, even somebody that was just well-meaning coming up to help. And, you know, you know, that could have been that case there. So the next one is from Rocky 25. Um, and he's asking a series of questions here. So I'm just going to run through them. Some of them we could probably skip through pretty quick because we talked about them. But was Donna kidnapped at her home or at her work? We've talked extensively about that. We don't really know. He points out her car was parked at her home. That's that is correct. Um, did Donna's home or car show any signs of a struggle? Um, no. Based on what I've seen, no. Do you guys? Recall I also say no. No, I don't recall any signs of a struggle. Now I'm just going to go out on a limb and just say what I think happened. I believe that Donna was abducted closer to the Sahara Tahoe than she was at her home. I don't believe she was abducted by her vehicle, but that's just uh, my take on the subject. There was no disturbance inside her flat, but they did notice that the light was still on. So I don't know if that has any um, meaning whatsoever. Oh, was yeah, that the bathroom I, light or was it a closet light? It was, I can't um, remember which light. I just know there was a light on inside her apartment so yeah is that suggestive of when she left uh you know you often people leave the light on because you know it, it makes it look like there's somebody in they don't want to get burgled or... yeah yeah or if, my take come, on if, the she subject. Is, if she is coming home at night and it's dark still maybe she wants to go in a house that's got a little bit of light on inside and not a pitch black apartment yeah. either um, and I also uh, thought that it was um it was a light that was not like in the living room or the kitchen or something that she wouldn't have seen immediately. And then she was new to the apartment. My mm -hmm. my um gut feeling was that she just forgot to turn that one off. I don't think it shows any sign of a disturbance. Yeah, but they, they yeah. also described a lack of fingerprints, didn't they, in the in the apartment and the car, which sounds strange because the only way you wouldn't find any fingerprints on a vehicle or inside the apartment is somebody wiped the thing down. Yeah, and I actually, that was something that stuck out to me, and it, it could just be the way it's worded when they say no yeah. fingerprints. Maybe it's no fingerprints that were suspicious, but I mean, if they indeed found like zero fingerprints in the apartment, that would be really strange if that was the case, um, because you know just people that had lived there before, work guys coming in, cleaning up, um, Donna being there, you think there would be fingerprints there, so... Um, I, I have a feeling that was just be the way they worded it and it was a little confusing or um, and I again I don't have the report in front of me did it say they didn't try and get any fingerprints I can't recall but we was know no that, we know that many people trawled through that apartment before Donna Lass was ever announced as uh, having disappeared mm -hmm. so you would expect some fingerprints there but maybe they eliminated yeah. certain and I can't remember if that wording, and again, I don't have the report in front of me. I wish I had left it open, but um, I can't recall if it says they didn't check for fingerprints or they didn't find fingerprints because there's a big difference. I think I think the wording was fine, but... Hmm. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll have to go back after we're done recording and just see, see what that is because that's a big difference. If they didn't look for any fingerprints or if they didn't, if they looked and didn't find any, that's a, a, a huge difference. Um all right, so the next question from Rocky25, does Ted Bundy have an alibi? We talked about Ted Bundy already. 
was Joseph Holt living in the Tahoe area in 1970. Um, I don't think he moved there until the mid 70s, but somebody else, somebody else posted that his family lived there at the time. And I don't know that I can't confirm that, but I did read that. Do you guys know anything about that? Yeah, he lived in, uh, he moved, he went to Lake Tahoe in 74. Um, before that, he was uh, living in San Jose. So, yeah. And, and oh, like was, I said, I, I did read that. Yeah, sorry. So I was just gonna say, I did read that his parents lived there in 1970, but I, I don't know that I can't confirm that. No, again, uh, we can't uh, eliminate him from being, uh, being, I mean, if Zodiac Killer lived in the Bay Area, he had the capability to travel to Lake Tahoe. So, so can uh, Joseph Holt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I also wanted to share that Joseph Holt was connected and um, identified as the murderer of Bryn Rainey, which took place in the late 1970s. And she was also somebody who would work like the, um, I believe she works the 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. shift at um, her occupation, and she would like to go to the bar before her job started. Same reasons as Donna just done, like in reverse order, just so she's not like out roaming about late at night. She wants to go to a place that was familiar. And I just wanted to point out that she's abducted in a relatively similar timeline. I mean, not not identical, but this is someone who could have been paying attention. Um, in the past, I thought he was a reasonable suspect. I guess I've just put him on the back burner for now, but always uh, waiting to hear the results. Um, so, so Rocky's next question, was there another body found near the area where Donna's body was found? If, if so, has that person been identified yet? I think that's a little bit of a mystery on its own because we don't know the precise location um, where it was found. You know, we know a general location, but we also there's a little confusion as to which remains were Donna's because there were a couple different sets of remains found. And there was some bouncing back and forth on the, the uh, ZodiacKiller.com to which one of those remains was was Donna's. Yeah, the initial ones were were noted as possibly being in August, which were the incorrect ones. I think this is where the error came, where they're saying they thought the body was only had only been deposited three years prior to its discovery, um, and I think that was a totally separate case to the one regarding December the thirty first, eighty five, and early January nineteen eighty six. So I think that's where a little bit of a uh, cross wires came when when the case was first. Um, mentioned so yeah and then uh rocky's final question is the fbi involved in the investigation i don't know that answer to either of you guys uh well unless uh unless lake tahoe asked for fbi involvement there's no reason for them to get involved is there i have not heard no, anything I, about the fbi being involved i no. haven't either and i you know had now, you know, they could certainly become involved if if it was determined that she was uh, abducted and taken across state lines. Um, then all of a sudden, then they could be involved. But, you know, obviously she was abducted uh, on this side of the border and found on this side of the border. So, you know, I don't think they would have automatically become involved. Um, but yeah. who knows? Maybe they still will at some point. Um, so Tommy T writes... Is there a list somewhere as to who John Doe or not, roughly where and dates as to when others were discovered? The only remains currently in the works to be ID'd. So 
uh, are there remains currently in the works to be ID'd? So I, I think Tommy T is asking, do and maybe one of you guys have talked about this or have maybe on your your site, Rich, uh, a list of different cases in that area and where they occurred and when the remains were found or where the people went missing. Sort of a a, a central list of of activity in that area, I think, is what Tommy T is asking. Well, only the ones I mentioned earlier regarding Malakoff uh, State Park and the Colfax, Iowa Hill Road, they were 72. In 86, there was also a human skull found in Sierra Meadows subdivision, um, which is near Mount Pluto. And there was also a human skull found uh, near Truckee as well. So there are several skulls and human remains found in that area 72 and 86 at the time when Don Alas was discovered so I suspect I have read like you uh, countless amounts of human remains in that area so and I don't think we can necessarily say it's one person responsible for all this I just think it was a popular dumping ground at that point and yeah. I want to and add I, I, that somebody asked me um like where there are other unsolved murders in uh, Placer County, California. I got on Google and I started messing around and I did find a list of unsolved homicides. And, you know, it's going back decades and a lot of it's going to be stuff that people wouldn't think is connected to Don the Last. But more or less, I would uh, point toward Richard's site, Zodiac Ciphers, and what Richard has just shared about how there are, there are these numerous cases of human remains that have been found. So it seems like we do have some type of documentation and organization for both the unsolved homicides and for the human remains that have been found. Yeah, and I have a case of uh, a list of cases from the 60s through the 80s of missing people, murdered people in that area, remains that were found in that area. I might eventually get around to condensing it and putting it someplace where people can see uh, what I found. As a matter of fact, I may have actually posted some of them on someplace on ZodiacKiller.com recently, actually. Um, not very well organized, just a quick list of st of stuff in that area that I found. Um, so I think that is actually on Tom's site in one of my recent posts. People can, can go check that out. But it would be fascinating to have a organized list of cases from a, you know, say a 50 square mile area and and then you could go through and look at the similarities and the differences between the cases. I think there's a, f a fair to credible argument that the murderer of Donna Lass probably murdered before or after that crime. I doubt this was a one-time murder. Yeah. Um, so Scary Gary has a couple questions. Uh, was Donna really last seen walking with a blonde man? We talked about that. I, I think we... We don't know if that's accurate, and we don't know if so what the date was. So I think we touched on that. Um, oh, we don't the... know, but I did vote that I don't believe that story. I think that that story okay. is uh, untrue. Yeah. I don't know enough about the witness, um, and I'd rather see a police report than this private eye report because it's not well detailed. But I'd like to know more about that before I came to a conclusion on it, you know, maybe from a police report. Um, does the Pines card look more or less like a clue from the killer now that we know her remains were discovered? I think Rich touched on that. I think we're all in agreement that it's it's opened our minds to it definitely being a, a possibility, right? Yes. 
Absolutely, yeah. Okay. And then his last question is, what's the typical range animals scatter remains? I don't know this. I've I've actually watched a couple of videos where they talk about this kind of stuff and animals do scatter remains a pretty good distance. Um, and it depends, are, are they, you know, if the remains are uphill, gravity takes care of a lot of stuff rolling downhill, um, that kind of thing. Is it near water and they can get washed away and wind up in a different spot? Um, so I don't know that there's a clear answer, but typically most remains, if they're scattered, they're not scattered miles apart. They're within, you know, a, a walking distance usually, but depending on the terrain, the conditions, as far as I know, um, they can be a, a little bit spread out, but not drastically. What are you, what are you guys thoughts on that? Well, animals can scent a body from miles away. So it's quite possible they've discovered the remains and moved it several miles. That's perfectly possible. But it would still place the remains roughly in that area. I doubt we're looking at um, her remains being moved 10 or 20 miles. But certainly within a few miles, I think it's perfectly plausible. Yeah, I do as well. I, I... I'm not an animal behavior expert or anything, but just... Um you know, from watching enough things on the nature channel, as Richard said, several miles, I think is possible. 10 or 20 miles is getting into unlikely. Yeah. And, and also we have to remember too, a lot of those smaller bones are, are not going to remain. Um, especially if, if Donna was originally buried, maybe she's buried in a shallow grave and part of her was dug up. They could still be partially buried someplace. So a lot of the smaller bones are eaten and typically it's, big bones skulls femur bones um big bones that are hard to break down that are what are usually found of someone not smaller bones um so i think we also have to remember that as well can i ask a quick question to both of you yep why did it take 37 years considering they found her jawbone with all the teeth intact surely she had dental records and that could have easily been compared that was one of my first questions. How do you not, you shouldn't even have to go the DNA route because they should have had dental records um, and they should have made that identification much earlier than they did. I, I don't understand that. Now, wait a second, though. I remember like reading from one of the 1986 articles that um, they were talking about how they found first a par part of the jawbone, then they found the skull, and then they were comparing the dental records to to people who had gone missing in the area and they've had no matches. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? You're going to confine your search what to a, a radius that would be that small? Could it not be somebody from state line Nevada they're not even going to examine? Especially someone who was involved in a high-profile missing persons case in the early 1970s. I'm not sure why it took 37 years. It's it's quite shocking. And yeah. and in a 2000 newspaper article, they said they took DNA from her relatives to compare to anything found. So I'm surprised that I'm sure DNA had come on enough by at least 2000 to have tested that skull or the teeth to get the DNA long before 2023. Absolutely. 100%. That's why I think we're all in agreement. We don't understand what took so long to identify those remains as Donna's. And maybe the police will clarify that. Hopefully they do. Um, but that's one of the things when you're talking about a case like this early and you don't have all the, the final details, you, you sort of have to wonder. Um, Craigle asked one other security guard he wanted to touch on was George Victor Jonathan. What do you guys think of him? Is he the drinker? He's the boozer. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, well, yeah. Speculating on a guy I don't know, have never met, who just worked at the place where she went missing, it's impossible to say. Like you said in a previous podcast we did, just because a drinker doesn't mean he's a killer. Um, So I can't really infer anything uh, about this individual. What are your thoughts? And I also don't know enough. I don't know enough about him to share any solid information other than what I said previously about security guards. And I wouldn't be surprised if one was involved because of their ability to do so, but him specifically, I can't comment. Yeah. I've tried, and... Sorry, quickly. I've tried looking him up on the internet, you know, like, like I've done with many of these cases and I can't mm-hmm. find anything about him. So I, I do know about him. I looked at him quite extensively. Um, oh. He wound up uh, in the Houston area uh, interestingly enough for some of those I-45 killings were. Um, what I, I, I thought was interesting, there was a, a, a murder uh, of multiple people at a place called uh, in League City, which is like outside of Houston. And that's where, where this guy wound up living. Um, and in the case, there was a letter sent. Um, and you can look this up, uh, League City Murders Letter. And if you look at it, it's sort of like the the Zodiac Donald Last thing. You can turn it upside down like a playing card and look at it from the top and the bottom. Um, so I always thought that was interesting that this guy wound up there in uh, that area. And there was a letter that was like the Donald Last case from there. But that is the only thing I could find. Like, I don't know that he had a criminal record of any kind. The, pri- the private investigators report, all it mentions that was that he was a drinker. You know, there's no mention of him threatening Donna or anything like that. Um, so I don't really know how they came to have any suspicion of this guy. Um, what is interesting is Joanne, when I talked to her, was very specific that she could not find anybody to even talk to Donna uh, about Donna to her at the casino. She had a hard time getting any answers. Where might Donna be? That kind of thing. She also said she was tired. So she wound up getting out of there after not finding Donna. But in the private investigators report, it claims that she sat down with George Victor Jonathan for hours and had like a long conversation in which he danced around anything to do with Donna. And Joanne just said that was flat out untrue. She never sat down with anybody because she couldn't get anybody to talk about Donna. Okay, Mike, can I share something about that? That is one of the reasons yeah. why I've had some doubts about this Lawrence Kane story that Lawrence Kane personally knew Donna, that he was working there in the real estate office and he would go over there and like try to flirt with her and she'd shut him down and be like, I don't want to talk to you. That's why I've had some doubts because where is the paper trail supporting that? Where is any of the other hard evidence that are, that are supporting these stories? Well, there isn't. Yeah, it's just I, Hines claims, isn't there? Yeah. Well, yes. And also now from Sandy Betts, where she said that um, she talked to people who knew Donna and said that Lawrence Kane knew her personally and he would go over and talk to her. But when we look at what Morph just said, all of that stuff that should be more accurate is saying nothing about any type of relationship with Donna and Lawrence Kane or that they even knew each other across paths at all. Yeah. I mean, if you had a, a record a document saying he was employed there at that time, the same time Donna was there, or if there was a firsthand police report with a witness statement saying, yes, uh, I went over to Donna's and Lawrence Kane was hanging out with her on her couch. 
I mean, those would be solid things. But right now, all we have is hearsay, secondhand information that we don't know if it's true. We can't verify it. Yeah, what you said earlier about Jonas and moving to the um, Houston and a letter was said. Have you got that letter still? Uh, I'd have to look for it. Like I said, I think it's online. I think if you just if you Google League City Murders letter, uh, you'll probably find it easily. But if not, I'll look for it and see if I have a copy of it still. I can send it to you. Yeah, if certainly if crimes in Houston were similar MO or followed the same procedure, that uh, that would be interesting, certainly. Yeah. And and I should point out these. I don't know the exact years he lived there. I just know he lived there. He died. Um, I don't know. I don't remember how long ago he died, but he did die there. Um, and I some of these murders and stuff in that area had happened, I think, before he moved there. So I'm not accusing him of being involved. I just no. it was something that I noticed when I saw this letter. It reminded me of the the Donna last card and the way it was designed that you could turn it upside down and see it from either angle, like a playing card. Um, but yeah, I'll certainly look for that and, and send it over to you if I still have it. I do have a question for you and that relates mm -hmm. more to these, um, to the story that has been shared from Joanne Ketchy. Uh, Firstly, mm -hmm. I absolutely thank her for coming on the show and talking to you about Donna Lass. I thought that that was just, you know, an amazing thing to do. But I noticed during your interview with Joanne Getschy that she was also sharing some contradictory information to the official narrative. Now, don't quote me on this. It's been a long time since I've heard that interview. But I think she said that Donna Lass was working either 4 to 11 or 3 to 11, like 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. And that's what her expectation was. But the, there's definitely a definitely a different shift that she was attributing to Donna. So this whole thing about how she had an extensive conversation with somebody about Donna, I mean, it, it's been 50 years when you interviewed her. Do you, 50 years had passed. Do you think it's possible that she forgot or misremembered some things? I think it's certainly possible. I don't blame her for that. I mean, if you asked me to do something I was doing two years ago and asked me for details, I probably couldn't remember it. So 50 years, I, I totally understand that. I, I think the one thing she clearly indicated um, was that she went there expecting to meet Donna there. Donna wasn't there. Um, and, and you know, I'm thinking this is on the 7th. This is hours after Donna was last known to be in the nurse's station, almost 24 hours later. She's to meet Donna there after driving up there and Donna never showed. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking this is, and maybe that's where she's getting 11 from. Maybe she was supposed to meet Donna at 11 PM there um, at, in the nurse's station. And she just is misremembering thinking, okay, Donna was getting off at 11. I don't know that. Um, but the, the, the general consensus is that she was supposed to meet Donna there at night. Donna never showed. Uh, and she got tired of waiting around, not getting any help from any of the casino. She finally went and got a hotel, um, which, again, um, totally at, at odds with what's in that investigator's report. It says she sat there for hours talking to people and she said that wasn't the case at all. She, you know, I think that she would clearly remember uh, about that. Day. I do, too. Yeah. I know. I know. I do, too. I would expect even after 50 years, like if you go to meet your friend, your friend goes missing and it becomes a high profile missing person. And you were walking around trying to find people to talk to. Uh, you would remember, right? If you talk to somebody for two hours, for five yeah. minutes, maybe not for 10 minutes, maybe not two hours. And this is one of the only people that's talking to you. Um, and I don't mean to um, derail or anything, but more 
why do you think there are all of these um, contradictory stories in that investigator's report? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, again, poorly written report. Not all the details are in there. They're in, in there incorrectly. Um, the, the report itself leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, but I've read a lot of police reports where they're not written well. They're confusing. I mean, you, you can go right back to the, the James Owen account at, uh, you know, of his Lake Herman Road experience. I mean, for years, even Graysmith, it was so poorly written that it seemed like he was going or coming from work that night when he stopped. And in reality, it was he was going to work. So even in Graysmith's book, he's got that backwards because the the report was written poorly. Um, but he, he, he basically, you know, the details um, that are documented in that police report just aren't very thorough and they're not very clear. And I wonder if maybe a police report would be clearer, uh, written better. Um, but at the same time, I think it is possible that that Joanne is remembering, uh, misremembering maybe a time or something like that. Or, you know, maybe if she had a conversation with someone, she might not remember what they talked about per se, but she probably remember having a two hour conversation with somebody. Instead, she remembers the opposite, being frustrated. Nobody would talk to her and then she decided to leave. Um, so, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, left to be desired as far as details are. Yeah, and in, in the conversation with you, Mike, she said she left San Francisco at 4 p.m. So she would have arrived at 8 p.m., about 18 hours after Donna last was presumed to have gone missing. So it wasn't the same night, is it? It's, it's virtually 24 hours, as you just stated, afterwards. Yeah, so I, I think, and we don't know, this is where it would help to have precise things. We don't know if Donna was supposed to work that night, and she was in... Um, uh, Joanne was just going to hang out at the casino and wait for her to get off. But we know she was supposed to meet her that night. So whether that meant Donna was off and she was just going to come into the casino and say, here I am, let's let's go hang out. Or if she was going to supposed to work that next evening and, and didn't one way or another, she wasn't there. And Joanne was disappointed about that. OK, so next we have Slowcone and. Uh, Hello, if it's something you could discuss without too much research, there are a number of murders and disappearances in the area. If this wasn't the work of the Zodiac, could it be some other identified, unidentified killer? How many serial killers were there? I think we touched on that. There were uh, at least that the Holt guy was one serious predator that was responsible for multiple victims, but there there could have been a couple more easily um, during that time. And it was a, a, a good good area to dump bodies and and not have them be found. Is that a question? That yeah, that's just my response to his question. Uh, and I, do you guys have any different opinion on that? Well, I no. think we've talked a lot about Joseph Holt and um, the uh, possibility. There was the kidnapper of J.C. Dugard, wasn't there? Garrido, mm -hmm. was it? Oh, Garrido. Yeah, there's Garrido. And for some reason, people thought that he could be a uh, a suspect in Donna's case. I don't believe that at all myself. Um, no, you no. know, I think Garrido took in a young girl and you know i don't think donna was fit his victim profile um but you know that's a theory that's been out there uh so then we have one final question this is from gorilla train i want to know if mary had any people whom she suspected over the years i also want to know if any of the people in donna's new neighborhood ever fell under suspicion um what do you guys think about those two th questions 
I'll let Ned go first then. Well, as you stated, um, there was the comment about this individual named Rasmussen that uh, bothered Mary, correct? And um, so that would be meaning that she at least had some type of either suspicion or uncomfortable feeling. And I would expect that there would be a lot of gossip, insinuation, rumors, people are going to have their suspicions. But when I was reading up on Donna Lass's case, I really found that a lot of the people that are in her life aren't reported as being suspects or they're not talked about as being under suspicion, whether it's where she lived or where she worked. Now, Donna Lass had at least one guy that she was dating regularly, maybe even more than one. I don't fault her for anything. They get talked about. I don't know their names unless Morph has uncovered them about the uh, guy she had been dating or the other guy, if the, he existed at all, just that Donna Lass was known to date guys. Yes, people have those types of theories because what they're simply saying is it was the boyfriend. I mean, some type of domestic dispute. Of course, he is going to be under suspicion, and rightly so, because a lot of the times it is that person. Yeah, think, and, and hope. Uh, go ahead, Rich. So I think the only person that uh, is under any suspicion at the moment is probably the Zodiac Killer. Or somebody designing that Pines card to put the blame onto the Zodiac Killer, which would would be an easy route for somebody to take back in those days. There were probably many people that offset their murders with the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, and he says, I want to know if Mary had any people she suspected over the years. Well, um, yeah, we talked about that. Ned talked about that. I, I'm suspicious of the person that mailed that Christmas card to her. Um, to me, that seems like that's a light, high likelihood that could be from the killer or from the Zodiac. Even if he didn't kill Donna, I could see him going out of his way to do that to taunt Donna's family. So I'm hoping they test that letter for DNA um, along with every other possible confirmed or unconfirmed Zodiac letter over the years. I, I hope they test them all for DNA and try and do genealogy on them. Um, but I'd like to know who sent that card uh, to Donna's family. Um, uh, but more, and, did you ever find the name of the guy that Donna had been dating? I, I don't recall doing that now. Um, There's a report and, in, okay. the, in the investigators report about somebody who was uh, quite friendly with her, wasn't there? I can't remember his name off, off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't. And I don't I don't remember if it names his last name either. I can't remember that. But um, I would hope that everybody they could identify that knew Donna that was dating her or had any kind of romantic interest in her. I hope they would have questioned them properly. But right, Harvey... because as Richard just said, though, she's all, she's described as being um, relatively friendly and outgoing and that like she was, um, you know, talkative with people. So even if she weren't dating them, as Richard just said, there are, it's likely that she was probably somewhat chatty with lots of people at the Sahara Tahoe. And they could have, maybe that person could have, interpreted her friendliness as being romantically interested in them and she could have shot them down and that could have angered them and that could have led to what happened absolutely yeah but, and, but harvey hines worked closely with uh don and mary pilker and his suspect was obviously lawrence kane so i'm wondering whether those two were convinced uh to his way of thinking well that's that's what worries me i'm worried that 
any thinking she had, he steered her in that direction, you know, um, or he steered the investigation in that direction to go towards his suspect. Um, you know, so is it a real neutral investigation? Is or or Mary's feelings were they swayed at all by him and his suspect? I wonder. A bit like Pam Huckabee. Yeah, well, uh, it depends on have... who she's talking to and when she's talking to him. Her her opinion has changed. I do have something to ask you guys, and this relates to Harvey Hines. If you go on ZodiacKiller.com, maybe the post is even still up on the Donna last page that um, was definitely up there in 2021, the first source that I read for my series. Um, their final line was talking about how in the 1990s, it was revealed that an investigator or, or detective had admitted to fabricating the Pines card. And it was way too long before I actually got around to asking Tom Voigt of ZodiacKiller.com, what is the story behind that sentence that investigator or detective admitted to fabricating the Pines card? And what he shared with me was that Harvey Hines told him that Dave Toskey admitted to Harvey Hines that Dave Toskey was the person who created the Pines card as a fabrication. Now, Tom Voigt also wanted to provide the condition that he didn't believe the story then, and he doesn't believe it now. And to ask both of you guys, do you think that there's any credibility to that? Do you think there's any likelihood that Dave Toskey fabricated the Pines card? I can answer that easily, Ned. Um, Harvey Hines did create a Pines card, and you can find it on my Lake Tahoe page. He took the original card and put a new paste up on it with the, with the, with the words put on top. Uh, to fit into his theory that Donna Lass would be found uh, near a ski resort, uh, not too far from Claire Tappan Lodge. So Harvey Hines did create a Pines card that he willfully admitted to in his, in his uh, report, a 150-page report. So there was never any uh, a claim of anybody forging a Pines card. He willfully created an alternative Pines card to show his theory, and it's available on my site. So that that well, that information on Tom Voigt's site is has been misinterpreted. But you don't believe that that conversation happened at all because um Tom Voigt didn't happened. state that it was in the report. He said that Harvey Hines told him Dave Toskey confessed to me that he fabricated that card. That would be talking about well, something I think, different. I think obviously at uh, some point Dave Toskey has heard that Harvey Hines has created an alternative card, and it's been misinterpreted down the line through secondhand information, but there was never okay. any, never any forgery. It was a, he willfully admitted he created a second Pines card and the image is on my site. So. Yeah. And that's the problem with second and third hand information. You know, you, I heard it from so-and-so who heard it from so-and-so. And, and by the time that happens, who knows what the truth is. That's why I, I prefer to, you know, I've heard so many things. Well, the police told me this or, you know, I saw it with my own eyes. You know, I, I, I no disrespect to anybody, but unless I see it in black and white, <laughs> I don't believe it. Or unless it's a, a truly trusted source that I know personally, you know, I don't believe something unless I can see it with my own eyes. Um, so when I hear a lot of this uh, scuttlebutt in, in Zodiac circles where something supposedly was said or, you know, there's something that hasn't been proven, um documented i don't i don't buy it you know it, i just don't believe it until i see it uh or unless i have a first-hand source that i trust very 
very well, I'm not, I'm just not going to buy it. And yeah. both of you guys have provided pretty good explanations. Um, but I just want to point out Dave Toski has been accused of fabricating other Zodiac letters, but those all came much later. And um, I think Richard provided a solid explanation as he thought how that story could have been um, either misconstrued or misinterpreted. Maybe those are fair words. Yeah. And wasn't there, um, and, and refresh my memory, I know Rich is going to remember this offhand, but wasn't there the possibility or the thought or, uh, you know, the theory that there was blood on the card that was, or, you know, someone said it could have been paint. Uh, what do you remember about that? You want about a 13 hole postcard? Yeah. Yeah. That was just, uh, that was just thin, um, sort of a thin paper, wasn't it? That was believed to be drawn in blood, that crucifix. So you want about that? Yeah, that that the one the one mailing in this case um, yeah. that I was thinking of was that, and it, 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 if it had really been blood, you know, oh. then then they might be able to pull DNA from it and and determine whose blood that is. But you know, I, I was sort of the opinion that it wasn't really blood in the first place. But um, no, the FBI report states it's thin paper. Okay, yeah. So just another uh, another thing that we just you know another can be a, red, a red herring. Exactly. And so the, my final thought is I'd, I'd like to know, you know, obviously I'd, I wish I had access to the Donald police reports and uh, into the to the police out there. If you're listening to me, you want to send me a copy. I'll be happy to skim through your reports. For you. I don't think they're going to do that, but um, I'd love to know what's in those Donald police reports firsthand. I'd like to see who they question, um, what they found what determinations they actually verified, what things are still unverified. I'd like to see with my own eyes and, and not rely on secondhand speculation, um, poorly written private investigators reports, things like that. Or at, at the very least, I'm hoping the police will come out at some point and clarify things about Donna's case, you know, saying we know she left the casino uh, safely. Uh, we know, you know, her car got back to her, you know, apartment and, you know, she drove that night. I mean, if they could answer any questions at all, it would just help us, you know, eliminate some, some parts of the theory in this case. Well, the Sahara Tahoe police pages that describe the disappearance of Donna Lass uh, seem to have no extra information than we do. Yeah. And, and, you know, it doesn't seem like the police are willing to share anything outside of, of what's publicly out there already, at least to this point, but that's, that's helped fuel all the speculation and the theories and the, and the hearsay and the incorrect things that are out there because there isn't a, a, a correct uh, list of bullet points out there to say, okay, here's what the police actually know. There's none of that really out there. Do you think the discovery of her remains opens up the possibility that they will release some police reports now, or are you highly skeptical? I'm I'm skeptical. I, I really think at this point they'll give the old, it's an unsolved murder investigation and we can't comment on it. And even though it's been 50 plus years now um, and the likelihood someone that did it is alive. Well, I mean, they, they could be alive. I mean, you know, people are living into their 80s and 90s now. And if that person was, say, 20 years old at the time, they could be in their early 70s. So, I, I mean, I get why they they would still want to try and, you know, solve the case. But 
a skull that's been out there for decades. Well, it was out there at the time for 16 years or so. Um, is there going to be any evidence to be taken off of it? Are they going to have DNA from her killer unless they found something else along with the remains that was property of the killers? I don't see how they could physically solve the case, you know, and or maybe they have suspects that they haven't talked about. You know, maybe they identified people that were seen with Donna specifically right before she went missing that they that they're interested in. That's the things we don't know. Can I ask you another question? We presume that Donna Lass went missing from the Sahara Tahoe Hotel and Casino. Do you think she was driven straight to the site where her remains were found and murdered there? Or do you think the killer took her home or to somewhere secluded and that was just a dump site? I'll let Ned go first on this. I think that that's quite possible because there are different types of murderers out there, different types of serial killers. Some serial killers are just going to kill the victim rather quickly, and they're going to bring the victim to what more or less the dump site, and they're going to be just murdered there. And they are people who are killing for a different reason. Then there are the um, sexual predators who are going to hold somebody captive for a while. And when uh, Morph posted back in 2021 about how he thought that it was likely that Donna Lass um, knew her abductor for the reasons that he has stated and that somebody made the phone call because they were trying to get their story straight or maybe to destroy evidence. That made me think a lot about how she was brought to a different location, maybe even somebody's home held there, maybe even sexually assaulted there. And then her body was transported to the dump site. And I think both of them are reasonable possibilities because if they can identify the cause of death or they identify more skeletal remains or could just share anything else about what happened to Donna, we could we could say something about that. But both of these situations are very, very common among serial killers. And I mean, one thing that doesn't seem super common is the behavior of the Zodiac killer. He's he does not seem like the serial killer that would have targeted Donna Lass, even though there's a higher chance in my mind that he committed this crime. But I wish we knew more. Over to you, Morph. Yeah, I um, I, I think, you know, I'm sort of up in the air. Um, and and re if you would, just re-ask me that question again. I want to give it some more thought, Rich. What I'm thinking is, is it, if the killer abducted her from the casino and drove her to the area where her remains were found, he would have to have taken her there at, at 3.30 in the morning and killed her there, which seems a bit curious. Or did he take her to his home, do whatever he was going to do, kill her and transport her to that site? Yeah, I think that's where it really comes into, into play, whether Donna knew the, the person that did this to her, um, because she may have gone back to their home willingly and something happened there, got out of hand. It, maybe he'd never meant to abduct her and kill her, but something happened. He panicked and then said, I've got to get rid of her body. Um, or, you know, if it's a, a predator that is a stranger, maybe they just said, I'm going to abduct the first woman I see and I'm going to take her out to an area where nobody's going to be at and I'm going to do what I'm going to do there and then I'm going to kill her and leave her body there. You know, to me, they're they're two likely different scenarios that either one could have happened. Um, but if it's, if it's the case where Donna knew somebody and they went, she went back to their home, let's say willingly, 
and something happened there to me that it leaves a little bit more room for hope because there could be a crime scene still that could be uncovered. You know, people try and clean stuff up and hide stuff, but there could still be evidence of a crime scene, blood that seeped through, um, you know, floorboards, things like that, that can still be found after all this time. And, and maybe if there, if there's a suspect list or people that knew Donna and police look at the places they lived back then, maybe they'll find evidence of the crime. Maybe they'll find a belonging of Donna's in that person's home that they shouldn't have. For example, you know, her keys, her purse, something, her driver's license. Um, maybe he kept something. So maybe if they can find somebody who's a, a good suspect, they can search for any kind of links to, to Donna. And maybe point to a Lake Tahoe resident with history. Yeah. And that, that brings up a good point. So the, the one thing we don't know, who were the sex offenders in the area? Were there anybody in Donna's new apartment building that had a record of crimes, um, abductions or sexual assaults? We don't really know who's in that area. I mean, today, if I wanted to look in that area, I could just look on the uh, sex offense registry and, and tell you exactly who's there. Um, but, you know, back then, I don't know how readily available that was, but anybody in that area with, with crimes against women, um, hopefully would have been looked at. And I don't know how easily that would be to find now going back to look back then to see who lived there. That was a, uh, um, you know, a stalker, but you, we have the luxury now, nowadays of finding things with the internet easily that we couldn't back then. For example, I found out the the guy who lived in Sherry Jo Bates's house before her wound up becoming a sexual predator a, 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 and it was incarcerated. Um, so I always thought that was interesting. I always wondered, did he somehow know her? Um, and I, I actually passed Worth, that. Just to jump in, yeah. we could do three hours on that question alone. I mean, that's <laughs> amazing. I've not heard that before, but uh, yeah. yes, uh, please continue. It's been and it's been so long. I don't remember the guy's name, and I, I could probably find it easily enough if I look uh, look it back up. But um, he went on to be a, and I forget what the term was, sexually dangerous criminal rapist, or I, I don't remember what the exact term was that they used. But it was the guy who lived in in Sherry's house before she bought it. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But you know, I could maybe pass it along to you. But it, it just shows that you can find a lot of stuff today. You know, if, again, putting the cart before the horse, if if Donna's case happened today and we wanted to sit around and sleuth it as a group, we'd have a lot more at our fingertips to do that with. And remember, Richard John Davis lived in the same apartment apartment as Nancy Benelak. So your thoughts of the killer living close to Donna Lass in that apartment complex is a perfectly viable option, but I'm sure they've probably checked all those people, but it, but it doesn't mean that that person <laughs> still couldn't have been her killer. Well, exactly. And he, and, and Richard Allen Davis is a good point because they did look at everybody in her apartment building and somehow he slipped through the cracks. So, and then we they also interviewed can't him, forget. Right? Like yeah. he, he was like heavily put under the microscope and they was like, it's not the guy, right? They just let him go or no evidence or something. Yeah. I think he had a roommate they talked to. Yeah, which is ridiculous, isn't it? Really, when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and then also we we have to remember Donna had lived in a different area of South Tahoe for the majority of the time she was there. So could the person be somebody back in that other area where she lived? Um, you know, maybe a neighbor there. You know, 
you know, some people have been suspicious of, of Larry Lowe. Um, you know, I don't know his background enough to really make any comment on that, but, um, you know, if, if we can't just look at the apartment area where she just moved to, we have to also consider the time before that when she was in South Lake Tahoe. Then again, we also have to consider, could this be somebody further back in, in her San Francisco time that was stalking her and came out there and was interested? Like Zodiac saying sought victim 12 when she was in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, so who knows? There's any number of, of different variables, but I think right now what we've got to do is probably wrap up and I want to hear final thoughts from both of you on, on the developments and, and where you think things go from here. Well, what I would say is this is probably, even though we don't know she's connected to the Zodiac killer, this is probably the biggest break or occurrence in the case since um, the 340 was solved and I never expected it, but what it's done now is confused me more than ever on whether the Zodiac Killer was responsible for her murder, which I had totally dismissed before. But now it's got me thinking twice. What it answered a couple questions and then presented a million more, unfortunately. What do you think, Ned? I think that this shows us that the Zodiac Killer mystery is solvable for a long time, especially in 2020. I mean, I was, you know, doing episodes about the Zodiac on Black Box Online Radio, but I'm like, no, wait a second. Is this something where we're never going to get answers to? But it shows us that it is solvable because, as Richard said, we have seen the solving of the 340 cipher. The next year, the revelation that the Bates had to die letters were a hoax. In 2023, they identified Donna Lass's remains. 2024 might hold something very big. And I also want to say rest in peace to Donna. It is very difficult to formulate theories about what happened to Donna Lass, because with a lot of the other unconfirmed Zodiac crimes, we know so much about how the victim was murdered. We know about the um, steps that the perpetrators might have taken, the steps that the victims might have taken. We know where the crimes took place. We know the type of weapons that were used. But with Donna Lass, almost nothing has been known. And a lot of people have heard us talk tonight or during the daytime, whenever you're listening, about how this is a plausible idea and that's a plausible idea. Because I'm hoping, I'm hoping that the authorities will release more information that will actually give us the opportunity to answer some of these questions. But it is, it is definitely a big breakthrough in the case and rest in peace to Donna Lass. Yeah, sad- I, I have. Go ahead, Rich. I was going to say, and sadly, I believe that Mary Pilker died recently, didn't she? Yeah, not not too long ago. And so you know, she, she never got to see this news by yeah. a year. So that that's yeah. a shame. I am happy for Donna's family um, just to have, because I, I, I was of the opinion she was never going to be found. I thought wherever she was, she was, yeah. she, she, she was buried and, and would never be found. But it just goes to show you that, you know, crimes can be solved or at least people can be identified from long ago um, and, and solve part of the mystery. At least they know where Donna wound up. Um, it doesn't answer who did it and how and why, um, but it's a starting point. Um, so if, if this can happen after 50 years, it gives me hope for the rest of the Zodiac case that there, maybe there's other things that can be, um, you know, pieces of the mystery solved, answers, you know, questions answered. You know, I still think the best hope for solving this case, I don't think 
somebody's going to find a confession letter after so-and-so dies. I don't think they're going to find a box after the grandpa passes away with a bunch of mementos in it and, and Zodiac letters. I think what it's going to take is hard physical evidence, DNA. Um, I think DNA is what's ultimately going to have to solve this case. And it's the best source of DNA is shell casings that the Zodiac handled, bindings that we know he handled, you know, things that can connect him to his DNA, the letters, the envelopes, you know, there's been a whole back and forth about what they have, what they don't have uh, with those letters. But I think they should be testing any and all confirmed or unconfirmed Zodiac evidence, whether it be letters and whether they think they're hoax letters or not, identify whose DNA is on them if you can, and then make a list and then start going down one at a time, those names that you get on that list and see if any of them could be potentially Zodiac. Because I think at this point, that's what it's going to take to solve this case is, is hard evidence. And check the clothing of the victims from Lake Berryessa for any blood exchange from the killer to the victims. Because often you cut yourself in knife crimes, just like the Sherry Joe Bates attack. Absolutely. And, you know, if they tested something five, ten years ago, use the newest technology to test some things because things that were done five or ten years ago, the advancements right now with specifically DNA, they're so much better now. They can do things with less DNA, degraded DNA. They can get DNA profiles from a hair, from a single hair, you know, a rootless hair. Um, so if that's the case uh, and they have hairs that were recovered, test them, test all the evidence. Now, and I've said this time and again, I, I think California is so under siege with, with current crime that the, the Zodiac is sort of at the bottom of the pile. They're trying to solve and, and stay on top of everything happening fresh. And I, I can't fault them for that. But when you're limited on the resources, money, time, and you've got a bunch of crimes going on currently, um, you know, cases like this sort of go to the bottom of the pile. But I hope somebody somewhere still working on it and and you know that's the best case to solve this case long term and one last thing don't forget we've we've got that hair behind the stamp on the stein letter yeah and absolutely and that you know and i'm sure i would think they have other hairs in this case that have been pulled off victims found at crime scenes whatever um so i i, I guess that there's multiple things that can be tested for physical evidence that still haven't, or maybe they haven't been tested recently, but they're worth testing because I think that's what's going to take to solve this case. Um, so I just one more time, can you guys plug where people can find you, what you're doing and what you're working on and, and what people can expect from both of you? You go, right, Richard, you can go first. <laughs> oh, well, like they know you can visit zodiacciphers.com to find me, or they can uh, visit our Zodiac Speaking podcast series between me and you, Mike. That's my main two uh, sites. And will yeah, you I'm be planning, host, uh, you, uh, Let me just ask Rich follow up real quick. Will you be doing any new Donalas stuff? Anything now that you're going to be working on as, as a result of these new developments? Well, I've done six articles on it so far. So I'm still looking every day now. So there might be a, one or two more. Um, but I'm digging through newspapers.com now for some more information. But I'm just looking for general phrases that might connect to this case or where he may have got his inspiration from, if it was a Zodiac killer. But, um, yeah, I'll probably do a couple more maybe, but we'll see. 
Awesome. And how about you, Ned? And my name is Ned Dahan. I run the YouTube channel, Black Box All Time Radio. I also release short episodes on my personal Facebook, Ned Dahan, and on my Instagram page, BlackBoxNed88. And I'm going to do a limited edition podcast called The Zodiac and True Crime Talk on buymeacoffee.com, buymeacoffee.com slash BlackBoxNed88 in their post section, the podcast zone, 100% for free. Anyone can listen to that. As I said, limited edition, short edition, but that will be coming out soon. And every Monday on Black Box Online Radio, I do a segment about the Zodiac Killer called Zodiac Monday. And can awesome. I just can I just add in that recently I interviewed Ned for the Zodiac Killer channel, Interviews with the Experts series, so Ned should be appearing on that shortly. Awesome. So that's a little bit of a reverse from normal. Normally it's, uh, it's own Ned doing the interviewing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, we wanted to do a bonus episode where we would have a previous guest on the program interviewing the host. I'm normally the host of the interviews with the expert series, and I'm always willing to do more for that program as well. Awesome. Well, this, this was really fun and it's, it's refreshing because I think, I, I think all three of us, you know, there's certain things we agree on, certain things we don't agree on, but it shows that we can all have a civil discussion and uh, discuss the details and sh you know, have a good lengthy conversation and uh, keep things positive. So it's really great to have both of you on. And, you know, anytime you guys want to do this again, I'm, I'm game. When, when do you intend to release it, Mike? This will be, this will be airing on Saturday, uh, January 6th. So, um, hot off the presses when people are going to be listening to this, it'll be literally, uh, within 24 hours of us recording it. Yeah. Thank you both for coming on and, and, uh, Rich, it's, it's been a while since we've done an episode, so it was good to have you back on. Yeah. It's been good fun again. So, um, I wish you all the best and, uh, and Ned as well with his great channel, Black Box Online Radio. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Zodiac Speaking. Please make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening now so you don't miss a single episode. If you want to follow or interact with us on social media, we'd love to hear from you. You can find Zodiac Speaking on Twitter with the handle at Podcast Zodiac, or you can search Facebook for Zodiac Speaking Podcast. And don't forget, you can get plenty of Zodiac details 24-7 by visiting my site at ZodiacCiphers.com or by going to Mike's site at zodiackiller.net. If you'd like to help more people find Zodiac Speaking, please take a moment to rate the show and leave a review of it on your favorite podcast player or app. On behalf of Rich, this is Mike Morford, and I'd like to say thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Zodiac Speaking.